Welcome here to another week of the Sports Block Podcast. Sports Block Podcast now on iTunes. And we have a good podcast lined up for you today, or for this week, I should say. We have multiple guests because it's playoff time. Travis Crins joins us here, and uh, Travis, uh, is it uh, Jeff Lloyd? Not uh, Jeff Lloyd. I I I. It's just Jeff Lloyd. I I. Jeff oh, Lloyd the second. Yes, he will be joining us to talk NFL draft. We'll hopefully get Marcus Traxler on to talk NHL playoffs or Stanley Cup playoffs, I should say. And uh, Travis Crins, uh, co-host of the 2080 Baseball podcast, and also co-host of this fine podcast here. Joins us here, and uh, we'll be spending uh, quite a bit of time, I think, with you, Mr. Krenz, talking about the NBA playoffs, even though at the recording of this podcast, we do not know the matchups set yet, but we, when we talk next week, all teams will have played a combined, two, or will have played two games max, so there's that, that's going to be interesting here. Uh, we needed something to happen before, you know, with the, with the college basketball season done, before these playoffs began and uh we had quite the contest there at the masters over the weekend in augusta georgia didn't we we did good little uh, good little finish there to the tournament yep i this tournament I, a lot of people said oh yeah this is a great leaderboard uh i don't know if they were talking why they were necessarily saying that because yeah jordan spieth was somewhat in the mix but i mean he fell apart in the last round as has been a, he's been accustomed to doing now here the last couple of years. Uh, I mean, Charlie Hoffman does nothing for me. Uh, Matt Kuchar, no thank you. But uh, he, he he rallied, including an ace on the 16th. Charles Schwartzel, everyone's favorite uh, green jacket winner, he made a late push. But it was really just down to uh, Justin Rose and Sergio Garcia. Both were in the final group. And that was nice and everything, but uh, for those that were saying that this is the leaderboard, this is what we all wanted to see, uh, I beg to differ. Yeah, people were saying that. Mm, I don't know. Spieth was there. Had uh, Spieth was probably the best golfer as far as, like, when he was on, he was just on, but when he was off, he was terrible. So yeah. way, not, not too much inconsistency there to... Join that tournament, and it's the second year in a row he collapsed in the uh, final round of the Masters. So that's a trend. Um, yeah, Justin Rose, uh, just just a guy. Uh, Sergio, good to see him win. That was uh, yeah, if it would have been somebody else, I really wouldn't have cared. Um, but Sergio, good to see him win. Nice yep. to see that he'd ever get one. He uh, seems he to did. he seems to be a guy that you know a lot of people have hated for many years i mean in part because of his action that uh that is being deemed could be deemed anti-american now he's from spain so of course uh maybe the fact that he's not an american I've some golf fans hold that against anti-american. him what's that i've said things that can be deemed anti-american yes sir. yes you have uh, but uh, there's just been something that Garcia seems to be a, a guy that fans, for the most part, like to hate. But he seems to have mellowed out here in recent years, had never won a major before, and he wins the Masters in a playoff, the sudden death playoff, the 18th hole. They had to redo it again. And when Justin Rose hit his tee shot in the Magnolia Trees, and Garcia bombed his right down the middle, kind of felt pretty good about his chances. He... You know, 
Lipped a, he had a putt run around the lip of the cup and drop for birdie, and that was it. He wins the Masters, but a great back-and-forth battle between him and Rose during that final round. That was very good television to watch. Yeah, um, didn't look like Sergio was going to do it there. Had two shots there, right behind trees that were just terrible, and uh, somehow he was a shot or two ahead, and then was a couple shots back, and then uh, finally had a had a good good sized putt to win it, and then he uh, left wide right there. But then yeah, easily won the playoff hole. So uh, good to see him win it. Uh, very slow player. Uh, that's why I don't like him, or if you're not like him. Um, That'd be a reason. Very slow player, but you good to see one almost 40 years old. And, um, yeah, the, the, with that leaderboard, you had space uh, lurking. Dustin Johnson wasn't there. Uh, Ricky Fowler, I guess, is a, you know, a name. Top five, top ten golfer, I would assume, in, in the rankings. He's probably going to win a major. Like, the leaderboord, I mean, I can't, yeah, like, believe, like, who, there's nobody... Like Phil Mickelson, he's probably the, still the biggest draw down there, 50 years old. Um, yeah, but the uh, ratings were lowest in a decade. Um, yeah, golf really doesn't have – Rory wasn't there in the mix. Um, so as far as, like, who is a draw speed when he ran away with it two years ago, I think peaked at almost $18 million, But that's a good indication that he's a pretty good draw. Yep. Well, and we knew that, draw. though. I mean, we we've known that since he – Really to, burst to onto the, the scene. Guy. Yeah. To the kind of like, um, just because, and I've said this before, just because you're a great golfer doesn't mean people are going to care um, that you're in the mix. But I think Spieth, uh, he's in some commercials, and he's a pretty good draw. Um, and, and this has been my long-standing argument about golf, and it's an argument that I've had with our friend David Schottenkirk for at least now a couple of years, is that golf needs these stars to really take over the game. You can't just have these, I don't want to say average Joes, because they're all very good, obviously, to be on the on the PGA Tour. But you, you need someone that fans really like. And I, I don't like Justin Rose. He is kind of a blah guy to me. Uh, and he is a blah guy for all intents and purposes. I The, the fact that... It was as close as it was with Rose and Sergio. Would I thought have helped the ratings? Uh, my mom even Ma Stacken said that this was the most she has watched the Masters ever, which I I found a little little intri- little intriguing. Uh, maybe Why? It's, I I I don't know. It, maybe it's just that there was nothing else to do on a on a fairly cold and blustery Sunday afternoon here in the Great Plains. I, I don't know. I'll, I'm going to have to ask her over Easter why she watched it so much. As she, she said, the course is beautiful, but I mean, we all know that. But maybe you just want to, maybe you watch it for the the views that you get of the course. I don't know. Uh, I would have thought that the ratings would have been higher, given how close it was, and then going down the stretch into the playoff and going into a playoff. But. I mean, for all the people that were talking about how great this leaderboard was, I thought they were absolutely full of shit. Yeah, it wasn't great. Uh, I mean, uh, your names were up there. I had some, you know, as you mentioned, Ricky Fowler, Sergio Spieth, decent names at the top, but I really don't care anyways. Um, yeah, ratings were not good, worse in, a, worse in a decade. That wasn't great. And last year, people um, tuned in just to see Spieth shit his pants because, uh, what, 12th hole? He was in the lead. He was going to win this thing. 
Yep. And he just imploded. So uh, Ryan Willett, he won by three shots. So Danny Willett. Danny Willett. Danny Willett, him too. His brother Billy Willett. <laughs> uh, I would say last two years, Spieth has been the big draw because he ran away with it, and then he had a meltdown there. Uh, his first meltdown, so. Yep. And Spieth, I think, draw. Yeah, no, no doubt, and I think Rory is a big draw too when he's on his game. Dustin Johnson certainly is as well. Of course, I mean, we know Tiger and Phil, but Tiger is probably never ever going to come back. So uh, disappointing, but I am glad to see Sergio win a his, his first major. Like I said, he seems to be kind of mellowing out a little bit. Seems to be getting back in fans' good graces. He's getting married, I think, this summer, so that's great to see. He won the Masters on Seve Ballesteros' birthday. Uh, Seve, who won the Masters a couple of times in the 80s, uh, and he's no longer with us, rest uh, rest in peace, uh, God bless his soul. So th- th- I think that carried some uh, another storyline to it, the fact that another Spaniard would win the Masters. I thought that was very cool. That was pretty good, yeah. So uh, Sergio, good for him that he won. That was, uh, that was good. Yep, so the Masters is done. Uh, next will uh, next major will be the U.S. Open on Fox, so we get to hear Joe Buck and whoever the hell else Fox wants to uh, throw out at us. So that that'll be great. Uh, wake me up when that ends. But uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. So good, good job again by Sergio Garcia. Uh, like I say, we'll talk a lot of NBA playoffs. NFL preseason schedule got revealed. How I mean, that's interesting, right? The Vikings have a national primetime game on uh, in week three. It's the home opener against San Francisco. So uh, that's on NBC on Sunday night. So that'll be great. I'm not, I'm not going to say I'd rather talk soccer, but um, <laughs> yeah, good, good. Yeah, it seems like the Vikings, seems like every year they have one game, at least the last couple of years. That's because they're a good yeah. team. And they're, they're a great 8-8 eight eight squad. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, interesting. You know who doesn't have a nationally televised game, which I thought was interesting? The Green Bay Packers. I'm sure they'll be on plenty during the season. I, I would imagine so. The NFL schedule, I believe, will be unveiled next week, so we look forward to that. We'll be talking a really? lot about that. Okay, yes. in, the, in the past, they've done this BS where, oh, is it going to be Tuesday? Well, maybe Wednesday. Hey, maybe it's Thursday. Like, do they... Do they know, hey, it's going to be Wednesday night, April no, whatever the no, hell. No, they just... Like, well, maybe it'll be, who knows? They've just said the week of April 17th through the 21st. Just name the damn day. Tuesday. <laughs> I'm sure it's already done. What is it going to be? Tuesday? Wednesday? Thursday? No, I, what I day is it going to be? I know they do this. What sense does this make? I believe there's going to be some contingency plans in place because you don't know if Adrian Peterson maybe he'll sign with the Saints oh, then him. okay but okay but, but say if the if Peterson signs with the Saints then the yeah, that that Saints Vikings game adds way more intrigue well, so you want to put well, that in like a three o'clock game or a primetime game versus just your regular old noon slot. Uh, I think we're uh, you know. You know what is it the Saints has he done that already or is he going to? Uh, he's working out with them this week. I would say. He can sign there. That's fine. Um, if they don't sign him, I, you know, I, I still think it's going to be this summer. Right, and I, I would so. lean, I would lean that way as well. But uh, I mean, th- there are some things I think that they are waiting to see. And you never know if Colin Kaepernick might sign. I mean, might well, have to change a couple things. Can they do it after the draft? So could, because we had Winston and Mariota, their first games were against each other. 
Um, they could. That would be smart. That that would not 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 that there's any big draft thing. But I don't know. It would kill them the week, three weeks. I don't know. Yeah. No. I I agree. I think that would be a good idea. But maybe you need to move the draft up for that. I I don't know. But. Oh yeah. The first game is going to be what Falcons Falcons Patriots, right? Um. I have I have read that it's. Gotta be. I've read that it's unlikely to be that. Why? Why would that not be the because first game? Because the. I and I agree with you. I think that the Falcons Patriots should be the opening game, the but Steelers or they play the Steelers. They, they, they would likely. I think people are but thinking like, the Chiefs. The Chiefs, Jesus Christ! Do they <laughs> want people not to watch? Po- possibly. Chiefs? I mean, who the it, hell gives a shit about the Chiefs? Well, my fa- my father in law does. So well, uh, I know, I know he does, but goddamn. <laughs> I mean. I think the, the the reason or the logic behind it is that you don't want the Super Bowl rematch to be the first game of the season back to back years. You'd rather save Why that. Not? I I don't know. I don't. I agree with you. I think I, it, I, I think I it should be. I mean, I would think it would actually be more beneficial, especially to the Falcons this year, to play the the Patriots Week One because then you don't have to have the. Like eight or nine weeks of like, oh, the Super Bowl hangover, and how do you get over that loss to the Patriots? Well, if you play them week one, then you won't even have to worry. Yes, you're going to have to deal with a quote-unquote hangover for the rest of the year, but you don't have to answer questions about the Patriots, and it's not that, oh, we're worried about playing the Patriots coming up in week 10. No, you get that game out of it, then you get on with the rest of the season. So actually, if I were Atlanta, I would be begging for the the game to be on or for them to play the Patriots week one. There are some other things factoring in this too with the new stadium. Uh, they they may want uh, to have that game as a nationally televised game on NBC and it wouldn't make sense for the, the Falcons to be on NBC back to back weeks one and two. So that's factoring into it as well though you could put them on ESPN for all intents and purposes, or or Fox or, or CBS in the 425 slot. But we'll see what happens next week there. Uh, baseball opening week. Tim Tebow has hit two home runs in the minors, so that's big news. The Minnesota Twins, 5-1. and one. They're surprising. The, the Giants, not very good. Uh, what, 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 3-5 now. They were 1-5. and five. They won two in a row, Giants. Giants picking it back up. Picking it back up. Yeah, uh, but what would you take away from week one of the baseball season? Yeah, Twins were a surprise. Colorado was a surprise. Arizona a surprise. Uh, Cincinnati's five and two, so that's pretty good for a team I consider to be the second worst team in all of the land. Mm-hmm. Start for them, Arizona. Good start offensively. Good start. Um. Yeah, Giants were not uh, not very good. Toronto was not good, and uh, yeah, some uh, surprise teams will see along the Twins and the Rockies and the Reds can can keep this up here. But well, uh, remember last week, I said if you know, I was pulling out that Rockies Twins World Series prediction. Holy uh, shit. I mean, not not that not that I'm going with that. But I did say, you know, there are. I think the Twins could be the biggest surprise in the AL, the positive surprise, and the Rockies certainly on the NL side could be the biggest positive surprise. 
and they neither have done anything to disappoint so far. No, I still think I still think the Rockies starting pitching is absolutely atrocious. Their bullpen though is very good, and uh, they do lead Major League Baseball case per nine, so striking out more guys than anybody, which uh, would probably be a good uh, good thing to do when you play at uh, at Colorado. And then uh, the Twins are the lowest ERA in baseball through one week. So we'll see how long that lasts, giving up just over two runs a game. Their defense has been very good. Uh, the bullpen went, what, 16 innings before giving up a run. So uh, the big question was the was the pitching, and wow, has the pitching impressed. Yep, and they Irvin Santana has been dominant 2-0 so far this season. When I, I believe, I, I can't remember, were, were you wanting them to trade him last year? Uh, it's worth talking about, I would say, if he continues this, uh, he is 34. I don't know what you could get for him, but I would say if he is doing, if he pitches as well as he has been, uh, I would I would probably try and trade him this year again. Um, he only got one year, he's got two, he has one year left on his deal for sure. He is 34. Trade him. He's making 12 and a half, 13 million, which I think is you know, fairly reasonable. Uh, not cheap, but it's 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 a good investment. And then two years from now, he's got an he's got an option, one million dollar buyout or another thirteen million dollar contract. So if he's switching this well, I would, um, you know, if if you get something good for him, I would trade him. Just depending on what you could get, but Jay, he's switching great. He is. Uh, Byron Buxton can't hit uh, can't hit a wet paper bag, so that's that's not good. Uh, how long until the Twins give up on him? How long until Twins fans give up on him? Well, I've never. I'm. You gotta show me something. Miguel Sano came up. He showed me something right away. He's had a great start. Uh, Buxton's never showed me anything offensively. Defensively, he's very fun. Got hit a little bit. I'm not asking. I'm not asking you hit 300. I'm asking you hit like 240, 250. Hit league average. League average is like 235, 240. The average. Uh, he can't. He has two hits this season. That's not good. He has many more strikeouts, like 16, 15, 15 strikeouts. Not great. Uh, I think they'll give him the month if he's still hitting like 150, which is about 130 points higher than he's hitting right now. I think they're probably, I don't know, it doesn't really make sense to send him down because there's nothing else. I mean, just he's got to figure it out. This is his third season. Now he's got to figure it out. He cannot be this bad. He strikes out too much. They put him third in the order, which was an embarrassment. Uh, they got him at eighth. And he should absolutely, absolutely hit eighth or ninth. They got to figure it out. That's all there is to it. Got to figure it out. Yep, absolutely. So we'll be. Uh, so I, it's, they're going to give him to answer the question: How long they're going to give to, to give up on him? They're going to give him as much time as needed. They will give him this year. They will give him next year to figure this fucking thing out. Because it's ridiculous. We'll be talking a lot of baseball here now uh, throughout the entire season. But, uh, yeah, we'll we'll kind of put that to rest right now. And before we get to the NBA playoffs, I, I am monitoring all of these guys who are declaring for the NBA draft. Uh, Michigan, uh, uh, Mo, uh, Wagner, he's leaving for the draft. I think Walton Jr. is leaving as well. But they aren't hiring agents. I am... Constantly looking to see what Oregon is doing with Dylan Brooks. 
We'll see him, uh, want to wait and see what Justin Jackson does at UNC. I saw the Kansas picked up a couple of brothers from Memphis, the, what, the Lawson brothers. So that's big for them uh, in a couple of years. They'll have to sit out this season. So Kansas is definitely a team to watch out for in a year. But the big news coming out of college basketball last week is Wichita State moving to the American Athletic Conference. I've been on this story for well uh, for a little over a month here now, and they have officially done it. They're leaving for the AAC. They will instantly be the best team in that conference. But it leaves the... Yeah! Was, SMU is pretty good. SM, I, I, Cincinnati's pretty good. Yes. But th- they are very good. They're But Wichita State's better. Well, okay, and you know what, that's fair. Maybe I'm going a little over the top here, but Wichita State is going to be very good next year. Uh, no doubt that they will make the NCAA tournament barring some significant are injuries. You back on the, are you back on the wagon? I am. I am definitely back on the wagon. Uh, I'm off the wagon. Give me off the wagon now. Well, can't, be, can't be two people on the wagon at the same time. Oh, no, yes, you know. yes, absolutely there can. Absolutely there can. No, but no, no. The I'm, Missouri, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not that guy. The, the Missouri Valley now is in a bit of, it's in a state of flux. And they are looking to add various teams. Valparaiso's high on the list. Belmont, Murray State. I think they're actually looking at Valparaiso and Murray State as the top two. But, uh, I mean, you have the, the, the Dakota schools, UMKC, Omaha, Belmont being mentioned here. Uh, where does the Missouri Valley go from here? I would say, yeah, if you get Belpo, Belmont would be my top two. Top two, I'd look at that. Uh, Belmont, I would think Belmont should probably leave. Um, they are in Nashville. The conference tournament is in Nashville, but that really, they don't have any you know, home court advantage like uh, South Dakota State does. It's not like they've won a boatload of, of conference tournaments either. Um I think they should move because Ohio Valley is not all that great. This would be an upgrade for them. Um, yeah, Valparaiso would be nice as well. Um, outside of that, I'd put, uh, you know, South Dakota State, North Dakota State, uh, three and four on that list, what they're going to meet this weekend, I think, and talk it over. So, um, I, I would expect to be very underwhelmed by their pick. I hope to be surprised. Hopefully it's one of those two that we've mentioned, but, um, well, what yeah, if it's, what if it's Murray State? Murray State doesn't do much for me. I mean, yeah, they've been good in the past. We'll see. You know um, what? You know what makes the most sense? I, I, I think you got. I think you got to get three teams to get an even number of teams in the league. And UMKC, I mean, uh, UMKC, an odd, the, uh, uneven schedule, or they'd have what they've got. If they had one more, they've got ten teams. Yep. Like you, you could not play. You could not play a twenty-two game conference schedule. No, they already play everybody twice. They already play eighteen games. Are you talking about splitting them up six and six or what? I would. Yep. If, I mean, I, I guess I should say if you're going to do, you got to go an odd number because you want to make an even number in the conference. So I say you either do one or you do three. Yeah, you want yeah ten or ten or twelve teams. I would do the one. See what happens. I, I think UMKC makes a ton of sense either for the Summit League or for the Missouri Valley. 
Uh, the fact that UMKC is in the wet, in the in the whack is a complete joke. They've got to get back in it, and it'd be another media market that the Missouri Valley can oh, extend here's into. Here's what I'll say about this: the media market. I do not care about the media market, um, because it's like you know, Kansas City, big town. Um, nobody cares about UMKC basketball or the Missouri Valley or anything like that. Um, Omaha, big city, nobody cares about Omaha basketball or the Summit League. Same with Denver, so much other stuff. Nashville with Belmont, nobody cares about the other non-Tennessee stuff. So I'd say as, as far as like the small-time schools, the small-time conferences with the media markets, you're, you're much better at getting old, funky-dunk, 20,000 people brooking South Dakota or Sioux Falls, because obviously there's a big interest in, in that area. I believe I believe also that in five to ten years, the WAC is going to dissolve, or it should dissolve anyway. So get rid of the WAC, and then the Missouri Valley, the Summit League, and the Horizon League should melt together to form two power conferences. It's a lot of teams. It would. If, like, if, if SDSU and North Dakota State were to leave, I mean, Summit League's done. Summit League is done. Well, I, I think, and we, we talked about this Sunday in the Google chat, I think there's a very real possibility out here that the Summit League could become a stronger mid-major conference than the Missouri Valley. And it could become more of a brand name and that destination. So if I, if I could just throw this out here, I think you, can, you could see that teams like IUPUI and uh, Fort Wayne elect to go to the to the Horizon League, and I'm just I'm throwing this out there. I, I What's would, the Horizon Avalanche? They, they got twelve or four? They got twelve. They got twelve. Horizon. I think. Yeah, I mean, I mean anything anything over twelve. That's a lot of teams. It is I mean, it, a lot of teams. It is. I and I I would have to look through it all here, but it seems. There's going to have to there's going to have to be something that gets done here, and I, so I would just think I, again I'm merely throw, floating this out here. I'd have to take a look at it all, but the Summit League is in a position of power here over the Missouri Valley, and based on the teams that are in it. Because now, what's the best team in the Missouri Valley? Northern Iowa, Illinois State, Illinois State. Okay, fine. Yep, that's great. But is there that brand recognition with Illinois State and the Missouri Valley, it's not really there. Yeah, Northern Iowa would be your most well-known team since they beat Kansas eight years or six years ago. Yep. Right now, I'd say going into next season, if everything's, say, not knowing who they're going to add, I would say these are two very comparable conferences top to bottom. Yes. And with South Dakota State... I, again, I think UMKC needs to either get in the Missouri Valley or they need to get back in the Summit yeah. League because this is ridiculous. Why, why they left in the first place didn't make any sense. Uh, there was an article out there today or a couple days ago about about UMKC and how that they may that they want to be in the Missouri Valley or that they should be should want to. And apparently, they left because of travel, which is still just that doesn't make any sense at all. Since no. they figured. They could, since Kansas City's a big area with an airport, and they could fly everywhere to wherever the hell these WAC schools are at. 
Yeah. It so didn't like, make any sense. No. Yeah, they, they fly into Rio Grande or Cal Bakersfield, the, the Utah I, Valley. I mean, no, no, thank you. I mean, that, that's that's a ridiculous Kansas, argument. Kansas City, Fargo. Kansas City is Sioux Falls. Right. Those are four. Those had four-year games right there. Yep. Those are those are easy flights. So I, I don't know what the hell they were talking about. Uh, and apparently, twenty percent of their budget is spent on travel, and uh, they want to get back to. Uh, Something closer than the whack. I mean, there's no teams in the whack that are close to them. I don't know what the hell they were talking about. Travel. Right. And, yeah, and Chicago State's in the whack. That doesn't make any sense. So that's why I think the whack is going to dissolve here. Uh, I would be fine with the Summit League booting out Oral Roberts and Denver. Uh, Much more so, I guess, Oral Roberts because they do absolutely nothing for me. But they've been in the conference for years now. But uh, out of UMKC well, or out of Chicago State. They did fire their coach. Stan Sutton's gone? Uh, Monday. Breaking news. Whoa. Um, but Oral Roberts, I don't know what the hell is wrong with them. They were always very good. So, yeah, two, two, three years of not good. So, uh, like, I, I would keep those teams, keep Denver. Denver's fine. Denver's good. Oral Roberts is usually good. I, 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 I don't know who you're going to find that's better out there. There's not a whole lot of teams out there that are like, there's not a bunch of teams that are just making the transition now that need conferences. So. Right. But I, again I would I would add UMKC to one of those two conferences. So and if you're North and if you're in North Dakota State and South Dakota State if you are like if this is a, the opportunity to go to the Missouri Valley, do you take it or do you wait a little while and see how the conference landscape changes here in the next five years. Yeah. I, I this is a very interesting argument here. I know Marcus had said that you know he wouldn't probably do it this year if SDSU and NDSU were approached. But I I don't know if and Grant yes they have a great thing going in the Summit League with the with the tournament in Sioux Falls. You win that. You're I mean it's either SDSU or NDSU in the conference championship game year after year. But if if you have an opportunity to move up in conference, shouldn't you take that leap now versus later? Because later might not happen. So if they call, if I'm SDSU and they call me today and say, we offer you a spot, you want to go? Um, I, I, it all, it's all about that conference basketball tournament. If I can guarantee that's in Sioux Falls, which it would probably stay in St. Louis. Um, I mean, SDSU, I think, out of all the teams in the situation, they hold all the power. Yes. Because without without them, Summer League tournaments not staying in Sioux Falls. Right. It ends whenever their agreement ends. Or if they were to move, they'd probably even say, can we end this agreement early? Or they'd maybe, they'd maybe go a year or two just to see how many people would actually show up. Um, so that would be interesting. So when uh, you... Summit League, when, Summit League and Missouri Valley, the, the attendance for the conference tournaments are basically the same. Uh, Summit League gets eight ten thousand, 10000 and in St. Louis they get eight ten thousand. 10000 It was very similar this year. And, and but, the you know, Missouri Valley is being played in a significantly larger arena than the Summit League. I, that's what I think. It, it's been in St. Louis for almost 20, 25, 30 years. But I think Sioux Falls can put a competitive bid in, in against St. Louis. I think they really could. Mm-hmm. He's attended identical. I don't know what the sponsorship is. 
uh, down in St. Louis and how big that is. You know how big it is in Sioux Falls, hundreds of thousands, if not it's, if not over a half million now every year. But I think if, if you can get the conference, if you can get the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament in Sioux Falls, that's the only thing. If, if you, you can guarantee me that, I would make that move. How, how, even on not, alternating, would, even alternating years. Sure, if we could do that, absolutely. Yeah, alternating, I would take that in heartbeat. And um, you know, NDSU, they would probably want to come as well. USC yep. would want to come. And then it, once that happens, I'll say the summer league is dead. But summer league isn't at, at that point. If you take three Dakota schools, even if you take two Dakota schools. There's no difference between the Summit League and the WAC at that point. Right. Both garbage. Right. And you say that SDSU holds the power in this. when And which is why, yeah, the, if you're the Missouri ah. Valley, maybe you would have to concede the, the conference tournament to Sioux Falls here, at least on an every other year basis. The other thing, too, with, with the Summit League is that could they do anything to persuade SDSU to stay? I don't know if they could. But in, unless they can try and get some of these, a couple more schools to make the Summit League better. Because I, I will make the argument today that the Summit League has better teams overall from top to bottom than the Missouri Valley. Or at least in terms of, yeah, you know what, I, I, I think I would say that. I can, or at least within the next few years, the Summit League... That this is going to be my argument. And within a few years, the Summit League is going to be a stronger mid-major conference than the than the Missouri Valley. If the Missouri Valley adds Belmont or Valpo, I say no. It all depends who they add. They add one of those teams that I took within the Missouri Valley. If, if they don't add a, if they add Kansas City, then I would say it's it's a dead heat. We I have something I forgot to mention about uh, the other night. And we talked about it, but I wanted to, was uh, the women's side. Not that it matters. It's all about the men. But the women's side, and uh, this year, because of the SDSU not getting into the tournament, uh, some of the league, I think, was significantly better than the Missouri Valley. So yes. for the women, would it be, be, it would, would it be a step down? Quite possibly. Yes. Yep. No, no doubt. No, no doubt. Yeah, this is this is going to be a very interesting uh, next couple of weeks, oh. or if even just a few days, just seeing how the Missouri Valley goes about it here. Because I think that this decision for the Missouri Valley is going to set up how the conference looks or how how they go moving forward. Because if they don't if they don't add the right schools. Then the, the conference brand and the just the conference overall is going to is going to plummet, and that's why you can see some conferences like the Summit League and the Horizon League jump the Missouri Valley. I think quite possibly, and it's all about money and what uh, what are the financial financials in this? Um, does SGSU make more money jumping conferences for whatever reason? Whatever factors go into that, tournament wins, NCAA tournament wins. Doesn't seem like any conference is real close to winning really more than a game. So uh, financially, if it works out, they make more money, they'd move. If they make more money in the summit, they would stay. So I think that's what it, what it comes down to. Yeah, 
It'll be it'll be very interesting to see how it goes. Hell, I'll, I'll even take Drake moving to the Summit League. Let's bring Drake in. No, that's all. You don't want that. <laughs> you don't want that. That's bad. Well, see, what if Drake and UMKC join the Summit League and they took and the, the Missouri Valley took Murray State, Belmont, and Valparaiso? I would I would take that trade. I don't want Drake. Um, I want a team that's going to be in the mix to be one of the four or five top teams. Drake sure as hell isn't that. That's I don't want a team that's going to miss out on that uh, on that basketball tournament. And I don't think Drake's finishing in the top eight. Um, Kansas City is they, they were never good, but I want a team that's good. Denver has shown they're competitive. Omaha has shown they're competitive. Good additions competitive wise. So I want a team that can show that they're good competitive. I don't want another Western Illinois. I don't want garbage like that. All right. So we will see what happens there. But there are some good articles out there regarding this. Uh, I mean, if you just Google Missouri Valley Conference, you see all these different articles, like from the Kansas City Star, the 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 Cincinnati Inquirer. Uh, there's a the, mid-major uh midmajormadness.com has articles on it so it's also a lot of good stuff out there regarding this potential trade and or this uh, the, the uh, latest uh, latest uh, monthly edition of Playboy there's a little snippet in it yeah, I bet so I absolutely would think that that has to be in there uh let's yeah. talk let's talk NBA playoffs now uh, the NBA playoffs will start on Saturday we know for the most part, we know no. 15, we know fifteen of the sixteen teams. We know the only other spot that's left to be decided is the eight seed in the East, and you have Indiana or the Bulls. Uh, the Bulls, I believe. I want to say they've clinched it, but um, I'd say they're they're a good favorites right now. Okay. Uh. Let's see here. We'll, we'll know a little bit more in about 10 minutes, so just keep on talking. All right, yeah, let, let's keep on talking here. Uh, the or Boston and Cleveland, I mean, Boston and Cleveland are tied. There's one game between Atlanta, there's, there's one game between 5 and 6, one game between 6 and 7, one game between 7 and 8, uh, tied 8 and 9, so it's ridiculous. Right, but 15 of the 16 teams have been, I guess, I guess 14 technically, here uh, the, the Cavs are about to lose to the Heat in overtime, so they. Would... Oh, well, well, we'll see. We'll see. So we'll, we'll keep talking here. So let, let's focus on the West first. Yeah, go to the West because yeah. every every team has been decided, and all the matchups have been decided. There could be a flip flop in the four and five matchup as to or as to who gets home court, Utah or the Clippers. So let's go through this here. Golden State's the one seed. San Antonio's the two. Houston the three. L.A. the four, Utah the five. That's L.A. Clippers, mind you. Then Oklahoma City the six, Memphis the seven, Portland the eight. So your matchups are Golden State against Portland, San Antonio versus Memphis, Houston versus Oklahoma City, and Los Angeles Clippers versus the Utah Jazz. Uh, The the one eight and the two seven matchups do absolutely nothing for me, but you talk about Houston against... Oklahoma City, and that means James Harden against Russell Westbrook. The two MVP candidates going at it. You don't 
there's a very good possibility they could be co-MVPs, though I would strongly, I, I would, I'd strongly go against that and vote Russell Westbrook all the way because he just recorded his 42nd triple-double. That's an NBA record. He surpassed Oscar Robertson. He joined Oscar Robertson as the only guys to average a triple-double in a season. And then that Clippers-Jazz matchup, I tell you what, the Jazz are a team that no one has paid much attention to all year, but they're a sneaky good team. Uh, I find that Clippers-Jazz series to be very intriguing, but without question, Houston-Oklahoma City, the best series of the first round. Yes, I will. I will change your mind on Spurs-Grizzlies. No, you won't. No, you won't. First off, first off, let's go Golden State. Uh, Golden State-Portland, I think uh, Portland get one out of them. Uh, Golden State this year has scored 127 points. Uh, let's go back to the deal. 127 points. They scored 135 points one game. They scored 120-some points another game against Portland. Well, that's fun. That'd be a lot of points. I was open for Denver. Uh, Denver in that spot, because Denver can score crazy points. I think Golden State wins to five. Uh, here's why I'm changing your mind on Spurs-Memphis. They beat them there many years ago. They upset them. Uh... It's going to be awful basketball. You don't want to watch it, but it should be good. 80, uh, 89-74, Memphis beat the Spurs. 104-96, Memphis beat the Spurs, both in Memphis. Uh, Spurs beat them uh, 97-90 at home. And they just played an overtime game last week. It was a terrible game. Yes. Both teams uh, were 35-34 to half. They went in overtime. Uh, Spurs won at 95-89. So it's not, uh, I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to go six. Uh, I think Memphis gets them at home both times. I think, uh, Spurs, the Spurs better look out here. Okay. It's not going to be fun to watch, but I right. think it's going to be, I'm not writing in the Spurs right away. I, I, I think that, I just think that with the, with the playoffs, the Spurs turning up a little bit here. I think they I think they take Memphis here very easily. Uh, I'll, I'll give Memphis two games, but that's all I can give them. As well, like if you're giving like if we're giving them two games, like that's a series, that's a series. Okay, I, I will give them two games tops. I will not give them three. I'll even just lean towards one with Memphis, but uh, I think the Spurs win that one here. But this Houston Oklahoma City matchup is just fascinating. Oh, because, uh, again, Russell Westbrook against James Harden. I didn't think the Rockets were going to do much of anything this year with Mike Nantonio, but uh, certainly uh, they had a great season, scoring a lot of points. James Harden playing very well. Uh, I, I got to lean towards Houston in this one, but the fact that you are going against Russell Westbrook, uh, I can't discount Oklahoma City in this series. Yeah, everybody, they shouldn't watch anything in the East. They should watch every single game of this series. Houston won three of the four games. Uh, three-point game, three-point game, two-point game. Games have been close. One game was 137 to 125, for Christ's sake. I mean, there was a there were 260 points scored. That's insanity. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, Westbrook and Harden just get triple-doubles every game. That should be great. Uh this is this is the Phoenix Suns D'Antoni teams from ten years ago. Uh, James Harden is a, just a ramped up version of, of Steve Nash. Houston fun to watch, great. Uh, I'll take Houston 
I'd say this one goes the the full Monty. This one goes seven. I hope you're right that it goes seven. And I think the games will be very close, each and every one of them. But I could see Houston winning this series also early, like in five games, just be, just because they're the better, they're they're the better team. But like I said, I'm not going to discount Russell Westbrook and the Thunder out of it. But I hope you're right. I hope it goes seven games. But this, yeah, this is if you're going to watch an NBA first round series, this is the series to watch. Clippers, Utah, uh, Clippers won. Three of the four games, Clippers are playing pretty well right now. They've won one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. They've won nine of eleven, so they're rolling right along. I'll be rooting for all my heart for Utah because I just never liked uh, like the Clippers. Clippers probably win. I'll be open for Utah. I'll say Clippers win in six, unfortunately. Um, this I I also like it too. How you're pitting two teams like in the Mountain West or Pacific time zone playing each other. So you're always going to have these games be at 8 or at 9.30 Central time, Central time. That's good. Uh, get the teams in the Central to keep playing in the Central time zone. Uh, I like these games that are a little earlier when they're at 7 and 8 or at 6 and 8.30 Central time. That's good. I can watch them and get to bed a little earlier. Uh, and, and, yeah, like Golden State Portland does absolutely nothing for me. So I mean that that can be funny. Damian Damian Lillard put up fifty nine. Uh, whenever Golden State's involved, I'm excited. Um, yep. Points is, is Golden State. I mean, who the hell doesn't want to watch that goddamn dynasty? I mean, that's just great. So it, if we're saying Warriors in five, are you saying Spurs in six? Spurs in seven. Spurs. Oh, what did I say? I'll give Spurs in six. Okay, that would mean Houston. they would win in Memphis. Uh, Rockets and Rockets and seven, and then the did you take the the Clippers then? Clippers in six. I will take the Jazz in six. Uh, I don't I don't say that with any sort of confidence, but uh, I just feel like when you got Gordon Hayward and you got isn't Paul George over there now? No, not Paul George. Um, George Hill. George Hill. Thank you. Uh, they, they have Rudy Gobert that no one talks about. Yeah. So. That's that's good. I I just I think I like Utah. I'd love to see Oklahoma City win over Houston because I like Russell Westbrook way more than I do James Harden. But uh, I will take the Rockets probably in. I'll go with you and I'll go with you and say seven. Though I don't really say that with a lot of confidence. And I I'll take the Spurs in five over the Grizzlies. I just don't. Prove me wrong, Memphis. Prove me wrong. Uh, I I just think the Spurs are too good. Are we okay to talk about the East now? Yeah, I'll, I'll have not quite yet. Oh yeah, I'll have Marcus give you ten dollars if you can name the Jazz coach. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I I know this. It's Snyder. He used to coach at the University of Missouri. What a deal that is. What what odd? What is weird? Yeah, you you can stand outside of Walmart all day asking people about that. You're gonna get, gonna get a sniff. Yeah. No. That, yeah. That's it. So Marcus owes me ten dollars now. Sure. Why not? Okay. Uh, we'll we'll have to bring this up here. Uh, does he know the the coach of Utah? I think so. He knows a lot of stuff. So I would bet so. All right. Sean Sean Kirk would know, but he would Google it. Yeah. Well, yeah. He would know that anyway, but he cheats anyway. So there. Um. 
I feel confident saying Boston will get the one seed. I think. Yep. Well, yeah, because the because the Cavaliers just lost to the Heat in overtime, one twenty four yeah. to one twenty one. Uh, the, I mean, for, everyone was talking about Cleveland, and now, oh yeah, they're going to be just fine. Now, did they rest LeBron James in this game? They rested LeBron and Kyrie. Uh, Kevin Love did play. They were ahead most of the game. Yep. They were a point underdog to Miami. Miami wins in overtime, one twenty four, one twenty one. Darren Williams had an amazing game. Um, but uh, Boston needs to beat Milwaukee, which isn't easy. Uh, they need to beat Milwaukee. Cleveland has Toronto. Um, if Toronto beats Cleveland, they'd be tied for the 2-3 seed, but Cleveland beat them the rest of the time, so I'm assuming that's your tiebreaker. But Cleveland, it's very clear, they give zero shits about this one thing. They, exactly right. Um, well, like the... When you lose games to the Atlanta Hawks over the weekend, the way they did, yeah, they don't care. I, I'll be honest, though, I'm nervous about them in this postseason. LeBron can say all he wants about, oh, yeah, well, we're just fine. Playoffs are a different beast. And, yes, they are. But Toronto's still a very good team. Uh, I think Washington could be the most dangerous team in the bunch here, potentially. Uh, I like what Scott Brooks has done. They're with the Wizards. Boston, we know uh, all the all the good young players that they have. And Brad Stevens, the head coaching job he's done, it's it's been unreal. So uh, I don't think this is by any means a walk in the park for Cleveland at all. And even playing Lance Stevenson, the uh, earblower, and the Indiana Pacers, if Indiana's the, indeed the seventh seed, yeah, that doesn't, that, that doesn't do a whole lot for me either. I'll say I'm I'm picking Cleveland, not even thinking twice about it. Um, I'd say this is the easiest road LeBron's ever had to the finals. Because the East is so garbage. It is so bad. I mean, you mentioned Washington there. They're a fun little bunch. Uh, Boston's exciting. Uh, Toronto, I mean, let's be, let's be serious here. It's just, it's just Washington and Boston. And it's looking now they won't even have to play Washington. Uh, Washington probably going to have to play Boston in the second round. So they're going to beat up on each other, and, and, and Cleveland's got to go through, you know, if it's Indiana or the Bulls, wherever the hell it is, it doesn't matter. Um, so, I mean, if, if Cleveland gets garbage team one, then they play Toronto, for Christ's sake, they're just going to roll Toronto. And Boston-Washington, that'd be, that'd be a fun little deal there in the Eastern Conference Finals, but uh, I, I don't think they have anything to be worried about. And they've played, like, it's probably the worst team LeBron's probably the worst team he's been on for the worst season that, that his team has had in 10 years. And, and that's they're ridiculous 20, 20 that, it sh- that it should be. I mean, they're, they're awful defensively. And I don't see how they can just flip a switch with their defensive menta- well, mentality from regular season to postseason. LeBron, until he, until he doesn't make the finals for the 25th year in a row, um, you know, Cleveland, Cleveland, Golden State, third year in a row, and uh, Cleveland does good with Golden State problems, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't even know. I guess no ball was it Boston, Washington, the two teams that ate each other. Uh, is, that, is that it? It's Washington and somebody. Maybe Boston. I mean, I don't know. Indiana and Toronto certainly seem to have a beef with one another. Well, good. Uh, I want to see Andre Cupo for for Milwaukee. I'd be all for Milwaukee knocking off uh, 
Trump. I mean, we still don't know. It could be Atlanta Trump. Just garbage crap like this. Could hell, it could be the Bulls and uh, all the the Bulls are either playing the Celtics or the the Cavaliers. That I, yes. are you are you happy that the Bulls are in, or you just know they're going to get spanked? May as well, may as well. I, I don't care either way. Uh, if you don't get in, you're not gonna you know gonna get a terrible lottery pick. If you're in, you get to play a couple more times. I'll I'll watch them a couple more times. Jim Butler's a great player. Who knows if if they uh, you know Boston? I'd be interested to play Boston. They would somehow play Cleveland. Um, they beat Cleveland here a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, maybe somebody catches Cleveland. Maybe the Bulls catch Cleveland. The Bulls almost caught Boston 10 years ago with Garnett and Polk, and now they're two completely different teams from 2009, 8, whenever the hell that was. But maybe they catch a team. Uh, Bulls aren't playing bad now. It'd be fun if they could get in just to, uh, just to get in. But, uh, yeah. uh, so it, let's just say it's Boston and Chicago, though the one eight. I'll take Boston in six. I would agree with that. Uh, Cleveland, Indiana, give me the Cavs in six. Cavs in five. Cavs in five. Okay, Toronto, Milwaukee. Give me the. I'd Milwaukee love to pick the Bucks. Is the, is the seven point the seven foot. Tall point guard for pricing. Yep. Very intriguing. Uh, I'll take the Raptors, though, in seven. I'll take the Raptors in seven as well. And then Washington, Atlanta, I'll take the Wizards in five. Wizards in six. Wizards in six. Okay. Uh, and if I'm looking at the at these playoffs here, the West, there are five teams that are all going to get very strong viewing draw uh, viewership here. Golden State, San Antonio, Houston, the Clippers, and the Thunder. Utah, Memphis, and Portland do absolutely nothing for me, and I would say for a large majority of people out there, they aren't going to tune in to watch those teams. The East, there's only three teams that I think are really strong, like viewer-driven teams that, that people will watch regardless of who they play, and that's Boston, Cleveland, and Chicago, assuming Chicago yes. gets in. Uh, so I'm not going to say in, entirely that the that the NBA playoffs are screwed for for ratings purposes because people will watch because of course it's playoff basketball. But I I I can't imagine that you're going to get a lot of average people tuning in to watch Washington Atlanta or Toronto Milwaukee. It's what NBA TV is for. Right, so the, so just shove the game that no one gives a shit about over there. Yes. Okay. Right, but, ratings for, I think the East is on TNT, unfortunately. Um, final ratings are going to be monster again if it's Cleveland uh, Golden State. They were huge last year. Yep. Yeah, Durant to that mix, they're going to be huge again this year. What if it was San Antonio, Cleveland? Or, not, not quite. or let's say San Antonio, Boston. That would be death. That would be death. No, I'll tell you what death would be. Death would be Toronto, Utah, or Milwaukee, Utah, or Utah. Like, how about Milwaukee, Memphis? Let's get that train going. Let's get a Utah, Toronto series and a Milwaukee, Memphis series. Let's go with that. I looked it up a couple uh, a week or two ago. There's been three. I think it's three times in history we have been. 
Indiana and Utah have both made the conference finals. One of them have made it, the other didn't. 98, Utah, Bulls went seven. Bulls, Utah played. Yep. It might have happened in the in the middle 90s. Utah may have made a... When uh, they both made it, I think, I think either made it. I think when uh, it happened later on, too. Like, um, when Indiana played Miami one of those years, I think Utah played Spurs in the conference finals. And uh, yeah, that would be death. Indiana... Indianapolis and Salt Lake City. At least Indiana's like you know Indiana's a basketball state, so you would probably get some more viewers in Indiana. Not, it's not going to happen, but I I don't think it this run for Cleveland just based on how I've seen them play here recently. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that they are going to make it through the East as weak as the East is. I just can't see any who's who's beating them. I mean, well, I, I think it, I think it's to that off. point where you got to say a. You know, until someone does it, you got to take Cleveland. Uh, but this could be—you think it's the their easiest road? I don't yes. necessarily think it is, just based on what I've seen Cleveland here over the last month. Was Boston beating Washington then? Uh, I mean, I really would love to take Washington. Take them. Okay. I don't like it. I don't like it because Boston's playing really good. Isaiah Thomas is phenomenal. But sure, why not? Give me a... I'll take Washington then. Take on Cleveland in the finals. Cleveland wins. Well, let's see. Washington beat Boston once, beat them twice, they split two and two. There you go. That'd be a good series. Definitely a good series. Uh... Before we go, MVP. Who's your MVP? Russell Westbrook. Not even a question. I I know that James Harden is playing really well, but there's no way that you can overlook 42 triple doubles in a season. Overlook the fact that he's averaged a triple double, and the only other name associated with that is Oscar Robertson. How? It, it, I yes, uh, James Harden has led his team to a better record. He's playing probably his best overall season. But Russell Westbrook's doing this with no one. I, even if you want to look past the the field goal percentage and the fact that he, he's scoring as many points as he does, you can say, well, he has to because there's no one on the team. Then how the hell is he averaging double-digit assists? And how yeah. does he routinely get double-digit rebounds because he's a point guard? I mean, that, that those two arguments right there, I, I don't care what the response is. I, that does sound close-minded, but to me, there is no refutable argument that you can say right back to me that would make me change my stance on this or say that Russell Westbrook shouldn't get it or that James Harden should get it over him. Though, though The fact that you have the double-digit assist with no one really of any significance on the team of, apart from Victor Oladipo and the fact that he gets double-digit rebounds Almost on a nightly basis, and he's a point guard. That's it. Slam dunk. Case closed. I'm sure we all know one person who will argue against you. I'm sure he will. Um, I'll go Westbrook. I'm willing to hear the argument for Harden. I think it is close. Um, Harden, 29-11 assists to lead the league. That's good. Yes. Eight rebounds. Westbrook. 
almost 32 points, so a couple more points, one less assist, 10 and 10, a couple more rebounds, so that's pretty even. Field goal percentage, basically the same. One shoots 43%, the other shoots 42 It's one shot per 100 better. I don't care. Three-point percentage, Westbrook shoots 34%, Harden shoots 34%. They both get to the line in ungodly amount of times, 10, 11 times a game. Uh, efficient field goal percentage, effective field goal percentage to where you kind of add the three-point shots in there. Uh, to even things out, Harden's at 52, Westbrook is at 47, so that's 5%, that's a bit of a gap. But uh, Charlie would go with Westbrook, I would go with Westbrook just because that team is just shit without him. Exactly. And, um, I mean, I would, like the, with baseball, they have war. Yep, wins uh, over replacement, like wins above replacement, I should say. NBA, they have P-E-R. Um, that's kind of like their war thing. Uh, Westbrook is one at 30.9. Kawhi Leonard is two at 27.7. So Westbrook is like a Mike Trout-like guy where he is so much better than anybody else. Harden is five. Durant is four. Anthony Davis is three. Kawhi Leonard is two. Uh, P-E-R, I would go with that. And, um, yeah, I would give it to, I'd, I'd give it to Westbrook. Yeah, and and again, I I am totally fine if if with Harden being in the discussion, uh, I th- I mean it's one two those two as far as I'm concerned. But the the two things that I guess sway me in heavily in favor of Westbrook again is, is the fact that he gets the double digit rebounds for his size, and yep. the fact that he gets the double digit assists with no one no real weapons around him. So I would I would say the that. Player efficiency rating, PER, whatever that means to you. I mean, Kawhi Leonard is probably, he's in the mix. Nobody's talking about him. Nobody ever does. Yep. Anthony Davis is three. Durant, I mean, just look at the PER list, and that's a good indication of who the hell is pretty good. Yep. I'll give Westbrook that. And, um, yeah, I think, uh, I don't know who is going to win, but just this run that he's on with these uh, with these triple doubles. This was an unbreakable record for me. I didn't think anybody would. I don't get half. I mean, 20 triple-doubles is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. 40, 42, 43, that's ridiculous. I mean, but, I always thought of Jason Kidd kind of being that syn- synonymous with the triple-double. He was that he was that sort of guy when he was playing that if he got a triple-double, I'd say, okay, I kind of expect Jason Kidd to do that. That's where Russell Westbrook and, is. And, 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 and his triple-double was 12 points, 10 rebounds, and 14 assists. Exactly. Really over the middle. Right. But I guess, wouldn't you agree that if there was one guy when when we were watching, or like back sure. in the day, where you would say, yeah, I can see him getting a triple-double, it was Jason Kidd. Yeah. So, you got LeBron James in there, so that's great. Uh, before we let you go, uh, Stanley Cup uh, Stanley Cup playoffs start on Wednesday to drop the puck. Uh, who do you like? Oh, I think I'll take Pitt. I don't know if I've ever taken Pittsburgh to win it before. I'll take Pittsburgh to win it uh, this year. Uh, uh, Pittsburgh uh, Sharks rematch. Why wouldn't it be? That's good. Pittsburgh takes on Columbus. You have Montreal taking on the Rangers. Ottawa taking on Boston. And Washington playing Toronto in the East. The West, uh, Calgary against the Ducks. The Oilers against the Sharks. 
the Blues against the Wild, and the Predators against the Blackhawks. So, if he... I do get interested in, because I'm not watching the Eastern Conference playoffs, that's ridiculous. I'm gonna watch a little bit of the Bulls, uh, Celtics just to see the floor, uh, Milwaukee to see the the seven foot guy, um, Toronto not watching Toronto, it's bad. I'll watch it if Milwaukee's on offense, then I'll switch it off when Toronto's on offense. Um, I don't bet on a lot of hockey. I don't know what the hell's going on, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I'd be uh, to get more interest. I should bet on these uh, yep. things here. Yep, and uh, be more interested in. Them. Yeah, right. I I think you should. Uh, I would I would lean towards Montreal taking down the Rangers. Uh, it will, I'll talk more about this with Marcus here in just a you know, a little bit later on in here in the podcast. But I, my initial thought right now is take Montreal over the Rangers, take Boston over the Senators, take Washington over Toronto. Even though Toronto may have the best, the second best player on the on the ice in uh, Austin Matthews, he's only a rookie. Uh, and that I'd stay away from Columbus Pittsburgh. I really would. That to, that series to me is going to go seven. And honestly, I I really could see Columbus taking down the the mighty Pittsburgh Penguins. That's that's disappointing. That it would be. I would I would just stay away from that series if I were a betting man. On the West, uh, the Wild aren't playing very well right now as of late. But I will take them over the Blues. You got to take Chicago over Nashville. Uh, in the Pacific, though, that's in- intriguing. Calgary seems to be matched up pretty evenly with the Ducks, but I would take Anaheim. And then I might lean towards Edmonton over San Jose, I'll be honest with you, in part because Connor McDavid was the only player this season to score 100 points in the NHL. I mean, they, they got Milan Lucic from Boston in the offseason. Um, Edmonton's done some very good things. I was on them at the beginning of the season. I'm glad they came through for me. Uh, San Jose's very good, but uh, yeah, I I guess hockey to me is unlike the NBA in that these series seem to be so even and in large part can swing based on how well your goalie is playing. Who's going to be the guy of this? Is it going to be a goalie? It usually is. Yep. Who's the guy everybody's going to be talking about? Um, on the East, I'll say TJ Oshie for Washington. People already talk about him a lot, but I think, uh, I think Washington is going to make it to the Stanley Cup finals, uh, Stanley Cup final this year. And on the West, to be different, and by different, I, I say this, not at all, I'll say Connor McDavid for Edmonton. Yeah. He is the he is the best young player in the game right now, and to get Edmonton back in the playoffs is a great thing, and I think he will uh, he'll be the reason why Edmonton actually probably makes it to the Western Conference Finals. Looking at the betting odds, who would you say is one, two, and three for the whole thing? I, I saw this earlier in the Westgate. Uh, I would rank it Chicago, Washington. I saw they had Minnesota with the third best odds. I don't know if I can do that just based on how they're playing right now. I would probably lean towards Pittsburgh 3, Minnesota 4. I've got, I've got Washington and Chicago switched, but yeah. it's Minnesota 4, that's surprising considering they got to play Chicago in the second round. That's not great. 
And that's why the NHL, like, I get why they they switched the realignment here in the playoffs a few years back to try and get more divisional rivalries going here in the playoffs, but it it's a little unfair that the, the Wild would be the two-seed and would have to play the one seed Chicago in the in the semifinals rather than the conference finals. That to me, that isn't fair. And they, I would much rather play Calgary than St. Louis. I can tell you that much. Betting on this, like Washington, they could very they're the favorite. But you know how I feel about them. Uh, Pittsburgh, you know how I feel about them. They can win it every year. Yep. I just can't ever see Minnesota making it. Uh, Chicago's won a bunch of them. So if you put something on Chicago, puts up on some on Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, maybe, maybe there's something there. Um, I, I don't know. Put a few bucks on Washington, too, because at some point they got to break through. And this year seems, to, I would think, is going to be their year. You would think so. Yeah. Very good stuff. We will talk more NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, and baseball next week. So get uh, look forward to that. And plus, NFL regular season schedule coming out in the draft is a mere, it's less than three weeks away. we got to prepare for our NFL draft uh, preview extraordinaire and coming I, up here. I suppose. <laughs> Very good. Anything else, uh, Travis, before we say so long? I want to end every show for the next six months, uh, giving you a, a, a baseball player, maybe a, a pitcher, okay. more weeks or not, that nobody's ever heard of. That's pretty good. Okay. Uh, Drill Cotton, a black guy for Oakland. Pitched great Monday against Kansas City. Didn't pitch very good the first game. Pitched very good uh, here against Kansas City on Monday. Seven innings, no runs, two hits. So Darrell Cotton, they got him in a trade, I think, from uh, the Dodgers. So Darrell Cotton, Oakland, your obscure pitcher player of the week. Very good, and I picked Kansas City in our uh, pick him this week, so I, I'm not I agree. not not I thrilled agree. with that. Figure I had to take him here when I have a chance, but. Uh... Yeah, not good. And by the way, uh, apparently on Y94 up here in Fargo, I can win WWE tickets. How? I, I can. I don't know what, where this, the WWE, what sort of event this is, but uh, yeah, they're, they're apparently, they're along with Bruno Mars tickets and cash. How? I, I don't know. I don't Fargo Dome at the Bison deal? I, I, that's, I that, would be, that would be my guess, but... Uh, yeah, figure I'd let you know. We'll go and win those. That's right. <laughs> They're coming to the Fargo Dome. When are they coming here? I don't know. April 23rd, two weeks from now. They'll be there. I will. Sunday night, I can go. Damn it, go. All right. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll see what I can do. Yeah, not a chance. Not a chance. All right. By the way, uh, just one last thought with the Masters. The wife... My wife, Kelsey, hated Ricky Fowler's orange pants. Are you a fan of the orange pants? I like orange. Yeah, well, you do, of course, because of Clemson. I would like orange, yeah. Orange is good. Apparently, WWE is going to be uh, in Sioux Falls Sunday, May 8th. Usually, they make like a Fargo, Sioux Falls, Omaha, Sioux City type swing. So, Sunday, May 8th, apparently, is uh, from according to my information here. Very Maybe. good. Excellent. Maybe that's wrong. But, uh, there you go. Well, I'll go up there and watch with you. Uh, you come down here and you can watch with me. Sounds good. That sounds like a plan. Great. All right. Thank you, Krenz. We'll talk to you next week. All right. We'll see you later. Travis Krenz joining us here at Sports Block Podcast. Appreciate his time as always. A lot of good NBA playoff talk there. 
We will talk plenty of Stanley Cup playoff now with Marcus Traxler coming up. Jeff Lloyd II hopefully will join us too in the podcast to talk some NFL draft. As, like I said, it's less than three weeks away here. That and SDSU Sports Update all coming up here on the Sports Block Podcast. Continuing here on the Sports Block Podcast, it is that time of the year again. The NHL and NBA playoffs are just about ready to get in full swing, and we are pleased to be joined by Marcus Traxler of the Mitchell Daily Republic. Marcus, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Good. Hey, how are you? I'm... Uh, you know, uh, Jim Nance, you know, during the Masters, he likes to talk about a tradition unlike any other, but I'd like to say that this is probably uh, right up there. Yes. Uh, you and me, uh, breaking down the hockey every year. As well as our two-man show that we do throughout all the state of South Dakota, right? That's right. We'll see you. Uh, See and plan to real soon. Yes, absolutely. So, uh, as always, appreciate the time here talking hockey because you are one of the few people that I know that actually enjoys the sport as as much as you do. And uh, the NHL playoffs puck drops on Wednesday. Uh, we'll start in the Eastern Conference. Uh, the Ottawa Senators and the Boston Bruins. We have the well. Let, let's just start with that one. Ottawa and Boston. Uh, Boston fired their coach, uh, Claude Julian, midway through the season. He's actually now the head coach in Montreal. Ottawa, bit of a surprise getting there. And I guess I should start off first by saying that our preseason pick of the Tampa Bay Lightning to win the Stanley Cup didn't even make the playoffs. So perhaps we need to take uh, anything that we preview here with a grain of salt. But uh, Ottawa and Boston, I like Boston in this series. I can't tell you exactly why. Maybe Brad Marchand, if he's not hitting people in the groin with his That's stick, right. that uh, I mean that'll help. But overall, I just think Boston's a little bit of a stronger team, and they're probably playing a little better hockey as of now. What do you think? Yeah, I would. I would agree. Um, you know, I think the one thing that could be said is that Ottawa's a pretty good surprise, uh, and I mean this is a fairly old Boston team. I mean, I would say out of all of these. Uh, you know, first round series. This is probably the least appealing of them all. Um, but uh, you know, Ottawa does have what you know, probably the best defenseman in the game, Eric Carlson, uh, especially this season. So it's interesting. I think this is definitely a candidate for seven games. I'm like you. I, I think I'd pick Boston. Yeah, and you're, you're talking about uh, Carlson, and then the, you look at the goaltenders. It's going to be Craig Anderson for Ottawa against Tuka Rask for Boston. Boston hasn't been in the playoffs for a few years, so I think the Boston fans are going to be coming out, and I think the, there will be a lot of energy with this team since they haven't been there for a while. So hopefully Boston wins that series. Uh, another series in the East is the Washington Capitals against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Toronto kind of the surprise in the East. I think a, a lot of people didn't expect them to make it to the playoffs quite so soon, considering they were kind of building from scratch. But they have the best young, the uh, best rookie in the land in Austin Matthews, and uh, I mean he might be right behind Connor McDavid in terms of young guys that you would want to build your team around. Uh, but having said that, this Washington team. I think we go into this, into the postseason year after year saying, okay, is this Washington's year? Is this Washington's year? Does this year feel any different for some reason? I mean, I would say it feels a little bit different uh, given that, um, you know, it doesn't seem like they've hit their stride yet, Um, you know, even though they won the President's Trophy and they had the most points at the end of the year. uh, You know, they have Kevin Shatt and Kirk on defense. 
um, who has been a, a great addition to their team. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I mean, they're really deep. And I think when they, you've got one of the better goaltenders out there in Braden Holtby, I think you, you know, you at least give yourself a chance. Um, yeah, they're three to one favorites in Vegas to win the whole deal. So, um, I think that's, uh, I'm sure they've been big favorites before, but it just feels like we're probably in rare territory, even with all the, the times they've been good. So, to me, um, they are kind of the obvious obvious team in the East. But I mean, there there is you know you mentioned Connor McDavid, and second would be uh, Austin Matthews as far as the two guys that are probably the biggest uh, you know headline guys coming into this this uh, tournament. And you know McDavid's what twenty one, Matthews I think is twenty. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, they're just not. I mean, they're pretty young. So this. Is, uh, what'll be, I, I think, a really exciting series, even if it only goes five games. Yeah, I was going to say, it's probably going to go about five games here. And overall, if you look at the East, don't you think it feels a little weaker this year than in previous years? I guess you do have Columbus, who's really come out of nowhere this year to have a really good, I, maybe coming out of nowhere is a little strong, but they've had a much stronger season, I think, than people anticipated. Montreal's good, but not world beaters by any stretch. It just seems like the East might be a little down this year. Am I overstating that? I don't think so. Um, I, I, in sort of preparation for this, I looked up, you know, ESPN's got their, their top 16 uh, teams on power rankings, and you've got Montreal 10th, New York 11th. Um, you've got uh, Boston, Ottawa, and Toronto all bringing up the rear. So you've got the five of the teams in, in the playoffs, uh, you know, they're considered, you know, of the seven teams that are probably the lousiest of them all, so um, you know it's not uh, it's not uh, a stretch to say that, that that's probably the weakest uh, the East has been in a while. Uh, but there's still good storylines. I think that you know maybe we'll, we'll make this captivating, even if you know some of the series are probably a little predictable. Well, yeah, like this Washington Toronto series, considering Toronto, a lot of people love. The Maple Leafs are one of the original six, and you have the star power with the Capitals, and you can just see kind of where the the Leafs are going in what seems to be a very positive direction with all the young talent that they have. Uh, Pittsburgh-Columbus, this series, I think to me, is the hardest one to peg, at least in the East. Uh, You never really want to doubt the Penguins and what they can do, but there's a reason why Columbus... Has you know scored over a hundred or had over a hundred points this year? They had a what a, a 15, 16 game winning streak. I mean they yeah. they are really dominant. You have Brabovsky in the in net there and uh, John Tortorella behind the bench coaching this team. This is a a series that I think you almost want Columbus to to win to prove you wrong. Like, you you don't want to pick them. You want to say, hey, prove us wrong. But I'm leaning towards Columbus this series in about a, in seven games. Uh, I, I don't know what it is. It just seems like they might have a, a little bit of a bigger uh, strength than Pittsburgh overall. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a, a case to be made for uh, Columbus. Uh, this is probably one of the best series. This is the best series, I think, in the first round, mm-hmm. um, considering that, you know, these are, Two of the top three teams in the East. They shouldn't be playing in the first round. This is kind of where the division thing backfires a little bit, and we're going to see you know evidence of that in the West as well. But um, I mean, you've got you've got Sidney Crosby, and uh, you know Penguins are are still really loaded. Um, I just have a hard time picking against them uh, at this stage. Yep. Uh, even though Columbus is a, is a really talented team, so I think I'll probably take the opposite there and, and say the Penguins in seven. Yeah, now Columbus has not won a playoff series, if I remember correctly. Is that I think I think you're right. Yeah. So that, I mean, but 
They they certainly have Columbus talking about hockey, which uh, at this point in the season you're probably or, or this point in the year they're probably talking about the Buckeye Spring football game for the most part. So it, it's nice to see that the Blue Jackets are back in it here. And then we finish off the East with the Canadians and the Rangers. Uh, I mean Montreal was world beaters early on this season, and then they kind of fell into a little bit of a swoon. As mentioned, they they fired their head coach and uh, and hired. Claude Julian away from uh, the from the Boston Bruins. New York, kind of, they're right up there too. They were, I think, a very quiet team for the most part this season. Uh, Montreal is disappointed in years past, but I'm I'm leaning towards them in this series. But again, this one seems like a difficult one to peg, and this seems destined to go seven games as well. Well, I think, you know, to me, it, it sort of boils down to, I mean, you've got two of the, the best goaltenders, mm-hmm. um, you know, in hockey, in, in Carey Price for um, the Canadians and, and Henrik Lundqvist for the Rangers. Yep. Whichever one of them is better, they'll win the series. I, I think, you know, whether it goes uh, five, six, seven games is, is to be determined, of course, but, um, and I wouldn't really put a lot of stock in that. I, I, this feels like a series where maybe a, a bounce or two, you know, changes how long of a series is going to be. Um and I, I would I would probably pick uh, pick Montreal maybe a, a, just a tad deeper I think uh, you know from their their standpoint it is impressive uh, you know how many coaching storylines we have in this these playoffs as well yep. you mentioned you know you've got a couple teams that have fired uh, coaches mid season we you know we're gonna have in the West a few coaching subplots as well in the first round yes. so um, it's I mean it's it's pretty pretty crazy. Uh, on the Western side, then, uh, by the way, there were no Canadian teams in the playoffs last year. This year we have five. Three in the East, two in the West. One of those in the West being the Calgary Flames. They're taking on the Anaheim Ducks. To be honest, I did not expect the Flames to make the postseason this year. Uh, I, I think if you ask even, an, even a fairly novice hockey fan uh, to tell the... Tell them a little about Columbus, or I mean uh, Calgary, excuse me. They, they'd have a little bit of a difficult time. Uh, so, having said that, Calgary is finds is still in the playoffs. They find themselves uh, one of the final sixteen teams standing. I I just don't know if I can quite pick against the Ducks and the the Getzloffs and the the Corey Perrys. And uh, I, I just think the Ducks probably have too much firepower to take down the Flames. I definitely agree, but I do think that you know if you were maybe looking for a, uh, a dark horse uh, in these playoffs, I think they'd be my team. Um, you know, one of these series that's a, a bit more nondescript. Um, you know, that every, every game in the series is going to start uh, at nine o'clock Central Time, ten o'clock on the East. And uh, you know, I don't think a lot of people are going to watch this, but Calgary has some serious players. I mean, you mentioned the guys for the Ducks, but Johnny Goudreau, if you pay attention to hockey, is, is a, a guy that's uh, not to be messed around with, and they have. Uh, Keith Kachuk's kid, Matthew Kachuk, who is uh, terrific as well. So I think they're an exciting team, and I think it's one of those things where, um, you know, if the first couple games go their way, I think they're uh, ripe to pull an upset. And plus they got, what, Elliot from the Blues, the the goalie in the yeah, offseason. Yeah. So uh, for whatever that's I, mean, I think he's tapped. I, I think he's one of the guys that you could say has tapped into that, that playoff success before, which uh, if he's able to do that, that could be uh, that could be pretty fun. The perhaps the most intriguing series, at least to me, is the Edmonton Oilers against the San Jose Sharks. The Sharks, of course, the defending Western Conference uh, champions. They've done nothing, I think, to 
discount them from making another deep run this year. But Edmonton with Connor McDavid and Milan Lucic, they are back in the postseason. Connor McDavid was the only player in the league this year to have 100 points. So that just speaks to his talent at such a young age. And you're playing for a franchise that had the, the greatest one of all time in Wayne Gretzky. I, Edmonton has not been in the playoffs for quite some time. I think this has been a long time coming for Oilers fans considering all the number one draft picks that they've had over the years. And I feel like it. this almost maybe should be a Western Conference final preview, but instead we get in the first round. I'm leaning the Oilers here, but is experience going to play out in this series and San Jose take them down? Well, I mean, they they certainly have it, and I, I think there's you know a lot to be said for that, but I'm... I'm in the Oilers uh, bandwagon. Um, I, I think they're an incredibly fun team to watch. I think they, um, you know, this is sort of the chance for McDavid to come on board at a very early age. I, I would imagine that they, uh, that you know, this will be the first of many playoff appearances for him, um, and obviously, you know, crazy successful seasons. Um, you know, the thing that, that stands out to me is that, I mean, yeah, the Sharks are very deep. Um, it's hard to know. You know exactly how it's all going to shake out. I mean, this, this shows you know sort of the depth of the Western Conference and with the way the playoffs are set up. You know, go figure that this is one of the the series we get in the first round. But I think this is a really exciting one, um, and I think we we see the Oilers uh, sneak by six, six games, maybe seven. We we talk about you know what's best for hockey because hockey is not uh, people are going to watch the NBA playoffs regardless of who's in there, and uh, with the NHL, you're not going to do that so much. Uh, with having said that, with Edmonton being obviously in Alberta, Canada, and San Jose being a, a team from the United States, I would almost say that the NHL would prefer to have Edmonton win this game to showcase Connor McDavid more as the the young gun and the, the one of the bright stars in the sport that maybe people don't know quite as much about. Do you think if Toronto, uh, if the the league offices in Toronto, if they had a rooting interest, that they would be pulling for Edmonton? That's definitely true. I think the one thing you could say is that, I mean, if the NHL thought it could sell Joe Thornton, it would have done it a long time ago. Yep. Uh, they certainly can sell Connor McDavid. Uh, you, know, a, you know, simply, you know, I realize we have Austin Matthews, but McDavid is, is probably a once in a generation type thing. And I'll go back to the point I was going to make that you kind of hinted on. Is it's amazing that Edmonton is, you know, just sort of breaking through now when they had, you know, four number one overall picks or whatever it was. Um, you know, it, it kind of—I think it's sort of the horseshoe up their butt effect a little bit. That uh, you know how much they've celebrated sort of getting into the playoffs when really this should have been expected for a while. Yes. But um, you know, now they're here and now they—they they have a chance to really uh, make some hay, considering they haven't been in the playoffs for, for 11 years. And the last time they were, uh, they were in the final. Chicago Blackhawks turned things up during the regular season. Came back. Uh, they were down by quite a few points to the Minnesota Wild in the Central Division and then roared ahead to take down the uh, to take the division. They take on a Nashville Predators team that has been a little up and down. Uh, PK Subban coming over in the offseason. You got uh, Philippe Forsberg. So there's uh, some good talent there in Nashville, but I just don't think they I mean when you think playoffs at least over the last decade in the NHL, you think Chicago Blackhawks. They just take it up a whole nother level and I have a tough time uh, seeing the Predators being able to win more than two games in this series. Yeah, this is definitely a playoff pedigree type series. I, I have no 
no qualms about picking Chicago. Um, again, I mean, uh, you know, the team that, that's coming up next that so we're going to talk about the Wild, the, the, the team we, we sort of follow. I mean, mm-hmm. they're, they're notorious for their swoon every year. Chicago generally has, you know, either a slow start or some sort of, you know, inauspicious way of going through the season. Um, but they, I mean, they always turn it on and they, they certainly hit the right, the right buttons here down the stretch. There's a reason why they're so good. And obviously they have a ton of talent that they can just sort of reach in their back pocket for as well. So, um, I expect them to get through the first round fairly easy. Do, is this a more susceptible team this year, the Blackhawks, than in years past? I mean, we know they have Taze and Kane, but it, it just seems like if you can take them down, this might be the year to do it. Uh, I know San Jose did it last year, but I mean, what I think the real difference or the the X factor is going to be how consistent Corey Crawford can be in net for them. And you could say that with just about any team here, you know, the, the X factor being the goaltending. But we, we know what we're going to get from guys like Taze and Kane. And Crawford has struggled in the postseason before. Just look at what happened, I think, in the, was it the Predator Series last year or two years ago? Where he struggled, and they they benched him for a few games. So, uh, I mean, does this team seem like it could be susceptible to getting ousted earlier in the postseason than we're accustomed to? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's certainly possible. Uh, you know, the one thing that can be said is Nashville, like you said, has has a has a little history of tipping uh, or tripping up Chicago a little bit in the playoffs or in the first round, but. Um, I, you know, I think there's certainly Taze and Kane. I mean, those are guys you can put in this book for you know, the type of production you're going to get from them, and it's kind of everybody else that, uh, you know, it's, it's still going to be a question mark. There's no guarantee that they're going to come through the way they need to. Finally, the series that we are most excited by, uh, or the one that we will be paying most attention to, the Minnesota Wild against the St. Louis Blues, Mike Yo. Now the head coach of the St. Louis Blues, he'll be taking on his former squad. These two teams kind of going in separate directions. The Blues were, they were looking like they weren't even going to make the playoffs. Uh, middle of the season when they fired Ken Hitchcock, Yo Yo took over. And I mean, he was going to be the head coach in waiting anyway, because this was Ken Hitchcock's last year anyway in St. Louis. But now Yo takes over, and they've been on a tear. Uh, Allen and Nett has done very, very well. For them, they're playing well defensively, despite you know trading guys like Shattenkirk away to Washington. And the Wild, the January swoon ended up being a March swoon. They only won four games in the month of March, but they're on a four-game win streak right now. Uh, but I mean, do you do you look at how the two teams finished the season as being indicative of how this first-round series is going to go? Um. Probably. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's hard to say for sure, but I mean, St. Louis is, is one of the hottest teams in hockey over the last two months. A very good defensive team. You know, one that certainly kind of found its stride under Mike Yo. Um, you know, I think the Wild, they got a few things right here at the end. They, they really had to do that. Um, because if it, it could have been a lot worse, I think, coming into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They sort of, you know, got, I think, back on level pegging a little bit. Um, it's scary to me uh, that the Wild are, are six to one favorites, eight to one favorites, depending on where you look yep. in Las Vegas to win the Stanley Cup. Basically, third favorite behind the Capitals and the Blackhawks, which uh, is insane uh, to me. So, I, I think this is a series that the Wild are capable of winning. I, I think there's no doubt about that. Yep. Um, I, I would say they're the favorites, and 
I, you know, it's just a matter of how quickly can they get it done. It'd be nice to not let this go to, you know, seven games, get it done in six or less. And um, I think they're capable of doing that. I mean, they have a lot of pieces that have been in the playoffs before. I think that's very encouraging. And, uh, you know, I don't think, I think this will probably come up from you, but I don't think the Wild really care about the Mike Yo storyline as much no. as Mike Yo probably cares about cares about the storyline. Right. He made it fairly clear that he wants to be the Wild, and uh, I don't think a lot of these players really care. Um, you know, this is really a different animal now with Bruce Boudreaux, and that's certainly a good thing. And uh, I'm certainly excited to see this uh, these playoffs get underway this series. Yep. Especially. Yeah, and yeah, and I, I agree with you. I think this is more just a talking point for fans and you know media members. Mike Yo coming back to take on his former team. I mean, from St. Louis's standpoint, there's really no one that scares me on their team apart from Vladimir Tarasenko. Uh, is yeah. there someone else that that scares you? I mean, he is electric. He is a goal scoring machine. And really, if St. Louis is going to win this game or win this series. He's going to have to be the one that carries, carries the load and carries the you know, scores a bunch of goals for him. Is any does anyone else on the team really scare you all that much? I can't say they do. You know, I, I think wasn't it two years ago these two teams played in the first round, yep. correct? And you know, Tarasenko, I think, got his share of goals. Uh, they didn't really shut him down. Um, and I think if you can kind of, I, I should say, if you can kind of copy that that same mantra that. He's going to score, but we can't really let anybody else on the team hurt us. And maybe he gets three goals in the series. Um, I think they're going to be in good shape. And I think that's uh, maybe a recipe for success. And, uh, you know, I think the one thing you can say about Devin Dubnik is that he's got sort of this ability to get hot. And if he can somehow channel that here in this series, uh, which he kind of has, he's kind of got on track, this will be, this will be fun. I think the Wilder. A lot deeper team, and I think the I think Minnesota can kind of pick apart Allen in that. So I think this is a good you know good situation for them to find themselves in. I hope I hope you're right. I believe that team that the when the Wild and Blues met a couple years ago. I think T.J. Oshie was still on the team. Of course, uh, Shattenkirk was on the Blues as well. So uh, take that into account. They're both not there anymore. Uh, the, Devin Dubnik has not looked the same since the All Star game or the All Star break, and I will say that I think it. I think giving up six or seven goals in a glorified exhibition, re- regardless if, again, it was just an exhibition and how hard are you really trying there, but I think it did shake some of his confidence because he has not been the same since then. Uh, am, am I overstating that, or is is there something to it that, that he just hasn't been the same since uh, the All-Star game in L.A.? I think you're overstating it. Um, I don't know if I'd put that much stock into, into the All-Star game. I think you maybe make the argument that being at the All-Star game, uh, it's not necessarily vacation. Um, I mean, you're there to, to play and participate. Um, you can maybe lend a little more, more credence to that, I think. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it, it's just a long season. They have Darcy Kemper as sort of the rotation guy, and he's fine, but um, it's a long season. I think, you know, that can sort of happen where you get a little worn down and now you're giving up goals you weren't giving up a month ago. So um, I think that's, that's maybe... Well, hopefully the Wild win this one. I got the Wild winning, I'll say, six games that they'll probably win it down in St. Louis. Hopefully it doesn't go to seven because we know Bruce Boudreaux's uh, record in game sevens, but I like the Wild win in the series. I'd love to see them beat Chicago, but until they do, 
I'm t- going to take the Blackhawks, and I'll take the Oilers uh, to make it out of the pa- the Pacific realm there. Uh, so we'll have an Oilers-Blackhawks Western Conference Final. Who do you see in the Western Conference Finals? I like I like the Oilers pick. I think I'm going to agree with you there. Um, and, I mean, this really comes down to whether or not you think the Wild can, can beat Chicago. I'm kind of with you that um, until it happens, you know, it's hard to really pick it. Uh, but I'm going to pick that it's going to happen. Uh, okay, you kind of have to believe at some point that it's going to happen. Um, and I will say that the, uh, the NHL's desired uh, outcome in that Western Conference final happens, and we get Connor McDavid in the Stanley Cup final. Very nice. Um, I, I, you know, I'd love to see the Wild make it there, but it, something tells me that if they get past Chicago, they're not going to get to the Stanley Cup final. So, um, you know, I, they, they really only have uh, one or the other. So, um, I think that's that's where I'm at. I think I, I have the Oilers. I would love to pick the Wild, and I had, was kind of thinking it maybe towards the middle part of February, late February, but then the March swoon happened, and the, I just need to see the Wild play with that same sort of confidence and um, bravado that they had earlier this season when they were going on win streaks left and right. So I, I will take Chicago out of the West. Uh, on the East side, uh, I'll, Washington, and I don't really care who they play. I'll say they play Boston. Uh, but, I mean, in Montreal is probably a bit of a safer assumption there. But uh, give me Washington to take on Boston. I like Washington to reach the Stanley Cup this year. So, you know, we've got we've got Pittsburgh, uh, Columbus in the first round. And then the winner would face Washington, is that right? Yes. Or? Yep, I believe, yeah, because yeah, that's the, the Metropolitan Division right there. I'm gonna say, I mean, this is this is not right. That uh, you know, it, you you sort of look at the West and you're like, well, why the you know, Wild and the Blackhawks have to play in the second round? But I mean, it really is worse than the East, where you've got these three teams all in the same division, and, and only one of them is going to get to the conference final. Um, I will say Washington is out of that division. I, I think this is sort of their year. They shouldn't have much problem in the first round, and I will say they need Montreal. I wanted to see, you know, it, it was nice when the NHL kind of changed up the playoff format to, to get these rivalries going again, maybe get a little more people to watch. But I need to, to go back to the standard one through eight and then have the, the worst seed play the best seed in the second round after that. Because it, it is a little unfair to teams like Washington and Pittsburgh to have to play each other in the second round every year. And likewise with the Wild and the Blackhawks. This should be a Western Conference final that you're seeing. So uh, does the NHL need to go back to their previous format? Yeah, I think I'm with you. You know, I think uh, when it first came in, I, I kind of liked the idea of maybe fostering some of these rivalries. Um, and I think they're basically there. You know, I... I would say maybe the one compromise I would have is, you know, let's play the division in the first round and then we get to the second round. Let's just receive the four teams that are left and like play that. it out from there. Um, that way you can kind of have the best of both worlds. And we don't have an obvious, uh, you know, an obvious situation where Pittsburgh and Washington and Chicago and Minnesota, you know, basically the top two teams in both conferences are playing each other uh, in the second round. So I like that, that would be my, that'd be my suggestion uh, there. I like that. And then, uh, so I have Washington and Chicago in the Stanley Cup final. You have Washington and Edmonton. I like, Wa- I like Washington to win it all this year. Uh, it, it's dumb because they, they've never broken through and won it, but, uh, give me Alex Ovechkin, TJ Oshie, and the Capitals to raise Lord Stanley's Cup. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I want to see Ovechkin win it. I mean, there's, there's a guy who's paid his dues. Um, so I think it'd be fun. And I think uh, I have to agree. It, it doesn't seem right to pick Washington, uh, but you got to think they're going to get through at some point. Well, we picked Tampa Bay in the preseason, so hopefully our Stanley Cup uh, champion prediction is right from our standpoint or wrong in the wild will win it. So. Right, that's we great. didn't put the ki- we didn't put the kiss of death on them. No, so, we didn't. So that that's good. I mean, I, I I might have put the kiss of death on them getting to the Western Conference Final, but I digress. So. Uh, the, quickly uh, before I let you go, the NHL not participating in the Winter Olympics in twenty or in February twenty eighteen. I don't like it, but it, blame to be spread around both by the NHL and the IOC. Uh, last week I was steadfast in saying that the NHL was to blame for this. Now. Kind of reading a little bit more about this, you know, understanding that the IOC wasn't giving in to the NHL's demands as much as they probably should have been. Uh, I, I kind of leaning more the, of the blame towards the IOC, but it's a it's not a good day for hockey when the NHL's best players aren't able to play for their respective countries and play for gold out there in Pyeongchang, South Korea, and maybe it's the fact that it the Winter Olympics are in South Korea, which kind of drove the NHL's line in the sand, uh, shall I say, with this one. But uh, I, I'm bummed that they aren't in it. What do you feel? I'm bummed. I'm definitely bummed that they're not going to be in it. You know, I, I can see the NHL's point that, you know, why are we going to let these guys go over and play at 5 a.m. Eastern time, you know, in uh, the middle of the night when ratings aren't going to be that good or, you know, they're just not going to get anything. They're not going to get anything out of it. So I understand where they're coming from and they've had guys get hurt in the past, but at the same time, I think there's, you know, the onus is on the NHL to, to sort of play be good sports here. I mean, this is, um, you know, the players want to play in it. Um, you know, sometimes you're trying to play ball and, uh, you know, I mean, these are generally money grubbing. Uh, owners, just like any other sport. So, I think, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, there's been a talk about how uh, Chad Leontis, the owner in Washington, will let Ovechkin go play. I, I don't really know if that's going to happen because I think it kind of opens up the can of worms. I think the NHL is probably going to squash that. You mentioned the IOC, and there's, I don't think they're blaming us at all. Um, I can see where they're coming from. Again, a money growing organization through and through, but. Um, you know, if they do this, then they kind of have to, to me, if the NBA team had said, hey, our guys are playing in the offseason to be in your, one of your most popular uh, events in the summer, we want some compensation, then I think they have to fold for them too. So I can see, you know, if you cave to one, then you got to cave to, you know, the whole shooting match. And uh, nobody's really in the right. I think it's a chance to, I will say that the kind of pros in this event have run their course to a certain extent, so it may be interesting to have different guys playing. Um, and the other subplot is that you know, the NHL wanted to be a part of the 2022 games in part because those are in Asia and China, a market that they wanted to get into desperately. The IOC has kind of treated that as a package deal with South Korea. You know, I'm sure they're going to revisit this in a few years and maybe you know talk about it again, but. Um, it's it's not a great situation either way, and uh, you know whether or not people are going to be awake to watch the games. I guess we'll have to find out. I if I was a betting man, and I am some of the time, I would say that yeah. the IOC will 
talk to the NHL and they will strike a deal and have the NHL players participate in the Olympics in 2022. That's just my guess, especially after they see that the ratings overall for hockey aren't as strong as they were or as they have been in previous years. So, or yeah, even the level of competition. One thing I would say is the NHL will sell whatever got, whatever bag of potatoes the U.S. sends over to play in these games. I mean, if it's a bunch of eighteen-year-old kids and they're trying to sell it Miracle on Ice too, the NBC will do it. Mm-hmm. These games are being played in the middle of the night. The ratings aren't going to be that good either way. So, you know, I think I think that's uh, that's a subplot to watch as well. Excellent stuff there. Uh, Marcus, appreciate the time, and uh, we'll be chatting throughout the NHL playoffs. Appreciate it. Sounds good. Take care. Thank you. Marcus Traxler, Mitchell, Daily Republic, kind enough to join us. Appreciate his time as always. You'll be hearing him throughout the NHL playoffs, the Stanley Cup playoffs, dropping the puck on Wednesday. NBA playoffs start Saturday. That's when they tip off, and uh, we'll be talking about the NBA and NHL playoffs all throughout uh, up until June. But coming up next, the NFL Draft at the end of April. And uh, our good friend Jeff Lloyd II from TurnOnTheJets.com is going to take a look at some of the key offensive players uh, that teams will be drafting first round and otherwise here. So stay tuned for that, and we'll wrap up the Sports Block podcast. Continuing here with the... Uh, lineup of guests on the this week's the Sports Block podcast. We are pleased to be joined by Turn on the Jets' very own Jeff Lloyd the Second. You've heard him uh, for a couple years now on the podcast, and it's about that time of the year, Jeff. It's got to be the the best time of the year for you, right? Um, it, it is. I just you know, there's nothing sports wise I love better than talking about the you know the draft, uh, the draft, and obviously the roster building that is the NFL. It is a year round business. Uh, you know, I. I mean, it's even sick to say that some teams, their draft boards are finished. They have scouts already starting to dig in at 18 feet. I mean, it, it never ends. The cycle never ends. You've got to be ahead of it. you got to get out in front of it. Uh, ridiculously, ridiculously deep class this year. Maybe more heavy on the defensive side of the ball than offense. A lot of gems on offense as well. Uh, just some fun stuff. I mean, going through, I went through 10, uh, 10 boards the other day. And if there's anywhere between 40 to 45 defensive backs in this draft carry a round four grade or higher. So it just gives you the kind of, you know, emphasis on the talent pool of this year's class. It, it's it, it's amazing. It really, really is good. Yeah, and we are going to hopefully have you on here for the next three weeks to preview the draft this week offense, next week defense, and then the week after that we'll, we'll get to the mock draft. Uh, Looking at the offense here, uh, quarterbacks, of course, are going to get a special look at because in the NFL, in order to win a Super Bowl, you need to have a good quarterback. We know about the Deshaun Watsons, the Mitchell Trubisky's, but the one guy who is, seems like he's surging up draft boards now is Patrick Mahomes out of Texas Tech. Uh, I mean, there's talk, you know, he's visited the Steelers, the Chiefs, all these other teams who are possibly going to need uh, a quarterback to groom once their respective quarterbacks are done. Uh, wh- what has made Mahomes' stock go up so much over here in the last uh, couple weeks to a month or so? Uh, I think it starts with just the general arm talent. Um, he's got a special, special arm, obviously. You know, father was a former major league pitcher, so you understand that the arm strength is there. Uh, throws well on the move. Uh, you know, has you know, was a shortstop most of his life. You can actually see that almost in his throwing style, you know, the combine, they measure the velocity, 
uh, football 60 miles an hour. Some people may may think 60, oh, that's not a big deal. With a football, that is a tremendously big deal. Um, you know, need some cleaning up, obviously. You know, the offense at Texas Tech needs gear to make the quarterback look good. It's geared to put up large numbers. But a special talent, I mean, you don't you want to you know, compare players you know, to all-time grades. But when you hear you know, a threat from type of player, you know, that type of impact can be great to an offense. And he does. He's got his capability. He can make the throw from any angle. Rolling left, he can drop a 45-yard dime. Special, special talent. The only really question you're going to have with Mahomes is, you know, he played at such a hyper-speed at Texas Tech. How is he almost going to handle playing at an emergency break type speed when he gets to the NFL? It should be, you know, easier because he has the talent. Look, the guys from Texas Tech, a lot of them, you know, they've been made to look good but haven't had the natural overall talent that Patrick has. He is just one talented individual. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if he's a first quarterback off the board. Um, the Jets uh, a lot of talk with the Jets and liking this quarterback class. I don't believe they're going to take a quarterback. I believe they're hoping that they can trade out of six for someone to come get a quarterback there. He could go as high as six, maybe higher. He's, you know, the arm talent wise, he, you don't get one every year. We get good quarterbacks every year with round one talent, but a guy like Patrick Mahomes arm talent, that we only get every once three, four, five years. Yeah, and you have long said that. Uh, you have, what, four quarterbacks going in the first round. Do you still see that happening then at this point? I do believe so. And, look, I mean, last year Jared Goff and Carson Wentz went 1-2. I don't think either one of these measure, what either one of them measure up talent-wise to the top four guys this year. It's a need, and, you know, whether people, all the quarterbacks are going to drop. You tell that to NFL front offices that look at their roster and say, my God, and, yes, the Jets should need a quarterback, but the Jets' talent level and their roster right now is it's equal to an expansion team so you yeah. can't cheat, keep chasing quarterbacks when you already spent a second round quarterback pick on the quarterback last year they passed up players that would be a starting center they passed up who would be a starting edge rusher they passed up a starting safety they passed up who would have been another starting linebacker for them eventually you've got to fill those other holes or you're going to end up losing jobs or you're going to end up bottom of the barrel forever quarterbacks are in high demand it's the most important position in all of sports they're always going to go a little higher than they should, but in this year, in this class, these four guys should go in the top 32. Who are Who's another quarterback or two outside of the four that have been so prominently mentioned that you think uh, is going to be a good find for a team in uh, in one of the later rounds? For me, Jared, uh, Gerard Evans out of Virginia Tech. Uh, look, he's coming in at 23. He did leave Virginia Tech early after bouncing around. You know, he was Air Force, so obviously you know he's got some mobility he played out there. Um, you know, went the Juco route, then ended up at Virginia Tech the first year for Brian Fuentes at Virginia Tech coming over from Memphis. There was some talk about whether or not he'd stay or would, would he go. People don't usually like 24-year-old quarterbacks, part of the reason why he left. Also, the rest of the talent at Virginia Tech, Bucky Hodges, Isaiah Ford, they declared as well. So there wasn't much lead day three. He's got the velocity. Obviously, the offense from Memphis got himself into a first round from that offense as well. He's a guy that's being underlooked should have stayed from Miami. I think he has a lot of problems. He doesn't handle pass rush very well. But when he gets a clean pocket and he actually does throw the ball, Brad Kaiyad doesn't throw a bad ball. He's actually a pretty good passer. He should have stayed, in my opinion, to work a little more on the pass rush. But maybe it was just time for him and he felt the best was to move on. You know, he probably felt all he could do at the college level. But he's a guy I like early as well on day three. I think you can look at him as a backup quarterback in the NFL. 
out, maybe win you a ball game or two. I like the way he throws the football, but the fact that he does get really nervous with the pass rush concerns me. But you hope with an NFL line, maybe make his life a little easier, and he might be able to just be able to focus in and just get his throws off a little bit quicker and, and see some success in that route. The running backs, of course, we know the top three, uh, Christian McCaffrey, Leonard Fournette, and Dalvin Cook. Any particular order there, that's fine. Uh, what I mean, all three are most likely going in the first round, right? I, I would. I don't see a scenario where they're not. Obviously, things were looking pretty bleak for Dalvin Cook after his pro day. Uh, in a workout, he nailed. A lot of people got caught up in the time speech from Dalvin Cook. And look, his workout in Indy, it was bad. I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. He didn't test very well. Came back, tested better at the combine, looked great in his drills. His test numbers from Indy to the combine, I mean, his test numbers in Indy versus his film, it just didn't jive. I mean, you know, you know, a lot of it, the numbers say he was an elusive. If you look at his film, he's playing against all the top schools in the nation, all the top talent. The Florida schools have athletes for days, and he was basically owning these guys on tape, so it didn't add up. It seems the momentum is back on an upswing for him after his pro day. McCaffrey, Fournette, first-round locks. Yeah, I'd be stunned if any one of them slipped out. Maybe Dalvin did, just because I know his off-field does have a, you know, definitely a red mark in the wrong direction for some teams as far as, you know, the company he's kept over the years. He's gotten himself into some stupid incidents where, you know, he shouldn't have been there. He should have just been smarter knowing that he was the big name getting involved in stupid crap. But, you know, all three, I don't see how they're not going in the top 32. The ability is just there. They're going to be such different makers on the next level. Like it. I was just going to say, likewise with the with the quarterbacks here, who are some running backs maybe, in, or who are a couple of running backs that uh, teams are going to find some really good value for down there in the later rounds, mid to later uh, rounds? I've been back in Marlon Mack here, but I think he's got himself safely into a late second round, third round pick. Three names, Brian Hill out of Wyoming, everybody out west seems to be all over Jamal Williams from BYU. I'm not really a big fan. Uh, he ran right around a 4-6, which he looked like on feet. I don't think he's very quick, he's, so it's great that he can break, break tackles, but the guys are going to get to him even quicker when he doesn't have his full steam. Wasn't a guy like Brian Hill out of Wyoming, plays with a little bit of a bowling ball mentality, ran you know under 4-5, uh, has a career game where he rushed for over 200 yards, received for over 100 in the same game, destroyed the Mac this year at almost 1,800 yards, and, uh, 5.4 a carry, scored 24 touchdowns, left after three years, still a lot of tread on the tires. He's a guy I really like probably – early round four, maybe late round four, Tariq Cohen. Everybody wants to like Donald Pumphrey out of San Diego State as, you know, they wanted to put him in as the Darren Sproles type. It wasn't really fair. Pumphrey's a little taller. He's a lot skinnier. Tariq Cohen at five foot six, 180, ran a four four two, four years of 1,000 yards at North Carolina A&T, caught 100 career passes, just an exciting player on tape. I, I think he's a guy day five as a toy for, you know, offensive coordinator. I'm sure a guy like Sean Payton would love him down in New Orleans. Interesting player. And then uh, Aaron Jones out of UTEP just doesn't seem to be getting a lot of mention. Maybe it's because of injuries. It cost him a lot of time down there. But a monster year, over 2,000 total yards down there at UTEP. Can receive. Rushes very well. Just an interesting guy that you're probably going to get maybe late round four, early round five. Ran four, five, two. Just He's another really good running back on day three that's going to bring you a lot of value. Wide receivers, seems like Corey Davis out of Western Michigan and Jonathan Ross, the wide receiver out of uh, 
out of Washington and not to I almost forgot Mike Williams out of Clemson seems like those guys are probably the cream of the crop at the wide receiving position is there any other wide receiver you could see go first round and then who are a couple other ones that uh will go uh high in the in the second third maybe fourth round that teams are going to really salivate over uh I don't think I see any one of them going in round one uh any other wide receiver look the wide receiver class is just a tough spot for them this year the, the defensive Air side of the ball is just so deep, so superior. It's yeah, going to have it. It's going to have a counter effect, and it's going to hurt some positions. Tight end group is deep. A lot of teams need tight ends, and there just haven't been tight ends to get for years. That's going to hurt the wide receiver class. Uh, day three guys, uh, Ishmael Zamora out of Baylor, just an interesting guy. Obviously, he's got a little bit of a bad off field, but six foot three, two hundred twenty pounds, ridiculous athlete. Uh, you could honestly conceivably say if you went to go look three years from now. He could maybe be a better NFL player than Mike Williams. That's how athletic he is. Only really one year of tape, but uh, 80 receptions, uh, 60 receptions, almost 800 yards. Works the middle well, high points well, very athletic, hands catcher. If you can get past the off-field, he's a guy you're going to get on day three, and you really shouldn't be drafting future number one wide receivers on day three. But that's a uh, potential ability Ish Samora out of Baylor has. Ryan Switzer, I will continue to bang the drum for this guy as long as I can. Uh, people want to slot him into just a slot role, which is fine. He'll excel there. Can line up outside. Seven career punt returns. He's just a guy that I think's being overlooked. You know, a lot of people have him down in the fifth round. For me, I'll put him right around that pick 100 late in the third round when the comp, uh, the comp pick starts settling in. I think I know what I'm getting with him. He's going to walk right into a punt return job. He should walk right into a slot receiver job. You know, right off the bat as a rookie, could be looking at 50 receptions, excellent footwork, great knowledge of the game, and he's a guy I cannot speak speak well of enough is Ryan Switzer. You mentioned the, the depth of the tight end class. Now, we've seen some tight ends go really high before, uh, thinking like Eric Ebron to Detroit at, what, number nine when he got drafted. Kellen Winslow. Tenth overall to Detroit. Tenth overall. Yep. Uh, Kellen Winslow, what was he, like sixth overall? I want to say, by even higher. yeah, he, I mean, he was really high too. Uh, OJ Howard seems to be that, that name that's going to go top 10. Do you think he's going to go top 10? And then, I mean, it seems like no matter what round we're going to go in, there's going to be a pretty darn good tight end that some team can take. I think Howard will end up going round one. Um, the plus there is, is even what he gives you as receiving is going to be a bonus. He's a solid, solid blocking tight end. So even if you just wanted to say, at worst, where he is now from what you got out of college team, Bubba Franks. Bubba Franks was a damn good NFL tight end. Mm-hmm. He w- went round one. The one thing you are, you know, there are some concerns, you know, whether it was Bama or whether it was him, you know, did they not know how to use him correctly? Or is he maybe just a little bit more limited in his routes? Tested like he should be able to run in any route you're going to ask of him. There would obviously be a volume increase. Uh, never really caught more than 40 balls a year while in college. But a dominant athlete. Six foot six, darn near two hundred six pounds. Ran a three cone in the you know equal to the names of AJ Green, Odell Beckham, which is just a startling number to put up for a man that size. Monster hands at ten inches plus. Even if he doesn't give you, even if he just progresses a little bit more as a receiver than what we saw from college, the blocking is going to blend in. He's a perfect blend of both. He's just a solid, safe pick that you're going to get in type in the top ten. Even if the Jets were stuck at six, it's just a smart move because he's going to bring you everything. He's going to be an every-down player. 
and you know you're just going to hope that you're going to get a little bit more from him in the receiving aspect than he did in his college days. But he's just a slam dunk, easy pick to make. There's really not much to pigeon, you know. There's not really much to pick on about his game. It's a pretty safe resume. Then uh, finally, the offensive line. It's been perhaps a much maligned class. There's not really anyone outside of Cam Robinson who uh, a lot of people really like in the first round, but there will be some depth there in the second and third round. Overall, with this position, do you see a lot of teams perhaps reaching for an offensive lineman that uh, could come back to buy him? I mean, I know the the team I cheer for, the Minnesota Vikings, they have a lot of issues along the offensive line that they've tried to address in free agency. Uh, I mean, I'd love to see them get that uh, uh, Mouton from Western Michigan. That would be great, but... Uh, overall, this class, this offensive line class, where what is some good value that guys are going to or that teams are going to find here, perhaps in the second, third, and later rounds? One of the big issues you have with this class is, and when you're looking at any uh, offensive line class, look, the most important position on the field is left tackle. And even if you were a poor left tackle in college, what they, they want to build in the NFL is they essentially want a center and a left tackle and three former left tackles to fill in the rest of the line. It's the toughest position to play, obviously, on the island. So, But the problem is, is you look, Cam Robinson, uh, we haven't had an offensive tackle not go top 10 since 2005. So that just shows you how important the position is. We're probably going to break that this year. There's probably going to be a t- – we're probably not going to get a tackle to go that high. I do think Cam, Cam Robinson will one day play to the level of a top 10 pick. I think you got to draft him. you got to grab by his face mask and say, look, I'm going to put my foot in your butt every single day because I know you take plays off, and I know at times you get lazy, and you just can't do that at this level. Ryan Ramzik, uh, he's a nice player, had some hip issues, but look, he jumped from D3 to D1, which is a tremendous thing to do. Mm-hmm. He showed very well, but now we're asking him to take another step in talent, and maybe that's a lot to ask. Garrett Bowles seems to be a real hot name. I have a hard time signing off on a 25-year-old guy going in round one. I don't care what position you're playing, even if your position you know, position pool is weak. Tough. 25 years old, round one, doesn't do it for me. The guards, me, out of uh, uh, Indiana is not bad. Obviously, the gentleman you mentioned, Mouton, out of Western Michigan, was a right tackle, could play right tackle in the NFL. I think he'll hold up well there. I think he can play either guard position. The value is going to be more in the guard position in this draft. Uh, obviously, ProSize probably the best center out of LSU. That You can't get excited about the offensive line class unless you're getting excited about left tackles. The interior guys, the grunt guys, they don't get the you know the credit they deserve. Mm-hmm. But that's never going to get anyone fired up about you know an offensive line and a group of guys as far as draft class. You want the left tackle; it's the sexier you know of the position. So that's kind of where it gets you know bogged down. But the interior is definitely the strength. The offensive tackle position group isn't that great. So I mean, you're just going to roll with the punches. You know, next year's looks better. Last year's wasn't bad. Every now and then, you kind of get a little bit of a fluke. But, at a position group and a class, and this year the offensive tackle one through the short straw, basically. That's the offensive uh, position look here for the 2017 NFL Draft. Jeff Lloyd II from TurnOnTheJets.com. Check out his stuff. Great content there. I know you're busy. You're running all over the place. Appreciate the time, as always, my friend, and uh, we'll chat next week. Absolutely, buddy. Jeff Lloyd II. Appreciate his time, as always. Uh, absolutely great stuff there. Um, and we will have him on next week. We'll have him on the week after with a mock draft. And, uh, of course, we'll we'll get him on with some reaction after the draft as well. Great stuff there. We'll wrap up the podcast here now 
uh, look at what's going on SDS, uh, the world of SDSU sports. Maybe a couple other headlines, too, as we wrap up the Sports Block podcast for this week. So let's wrap up the Sports Block podcast with a look at what's going on in the world of SDSU sports for this week of April 10th through April 16th. Start with men's golf. They finished 14th out of 18 teams at the uh, Tiger Intercollegiate, or Tiger Invitational, excuse me, at the club at Old Hawthorne in Columbia, Missouri. Jackrabbits were led individually by Alejandro Peraza, who finished the total of 227. That was good for 36th out of 91 players. They will be at the Hawkeye Invitational this 15th and 16th of April in Iowa City. The women's golf team wrapping up their final tournament of the season uh, in in Kansas City at the Kansas City Shootout, they placed third, uh, and three golfers finished in the top ten. Teresa Toscano for the freshman tied for sixth out of sixty-one players, shooting a two thirty. Except overall, SCSU finished third, and they will be at the Summit League Championship April twenty-third through the twenty-fifth at Arbor Links Golf Course in Nebraska City, Nebraska. They finished second there last year. Let's take a look at what else is going on. If uh, if things would work correctly here, and there we go. Let's go to baseball here. The Jackrabbits lost to Creighton in 11 innings, 6-5 to five on Tuesday. They did take they they won the final game of a weekend series with North Dakota State after having lost four one in both games Friday and Saturday they beat the Bison one to nothing on Sunday in Fargo they travel to Western Illinois for a three game series this weekend three o'clock first pitch on Friday against Western then one p.m. each on Saturday and Sunday then they travel to Minnesota to take on. The University of Minnesota in Minneapolis before weekend home a home weekend series with Oral Roberts. So that'll be great next weekend. Fourteen and fourteen. The Jackrabbits are seven and five in conference play. Softball. Uh teams fourteen and twenty seven on the year. They're on a bit of a losing streak here recently. They lost six nothing and four three to UND last week in their doubleheader on Wednesday and then in Kansas City, they lost six to three and three to two on Tuesday after having the weekend off. They host Fort Wayne in the strike in the strikeout cancer series Friday. The doubleheaders at twelve and two p.m. and then Saturday at eleven a.m. for hosting Omaha next weekend. So hopefully the the team can pick up some wins here. Uh, men's tennis was off last week. They will be back in action next weekend following the Easter break to take on IUPUI while the women also are, well, they were off last week, but they are back in action 
this Friday against Denver down in Sioux Falls. That's at 11 a.m. And then they take on USD in Vermilion. That's on Saturday at 1 p.m. They will be back in action then next Friday against IUPUI. They'll also be taking on Western Illinois next weekend as well. Finally, to track and field, both teams were competing at the uh, at the Dakota Duels last week. They were second out of second. The men were in the Dakota Duels. The women also finished second out of second. They will be taking on. They will be participating in the Mount Sac relays, April thirteenth through the fifteenth, in Walnut, California, and also at the gym, participating in the Jim Duncan Invitational at Des Moines, Iowa. So again, a split weekend this weekend for men's and women's track and field. Then next week will be competitions in Vermilion and Iowa City. So looking forward to that. And that's your SDSU sports update for this week. For more on these stories. Schedules, statistics, so much more. Go to GoJacks.com. A lot of good, hardworking people at the Sports Information Department keeping you up to date on the latest regarding Jackrabbit Athletics. Fantastic uh, podcast today with Travis and, of course, talking about the NBA and Wichita State, Missouri Valley Conference talk. Then Marcus with a great Great insight and preview with the NHL playoffs that dropped the puck on Wednesday. And then finally, Jeff Lloyd II with look at some offensive players for the draft that's coming up in less than three weeks. Folks, it's coming. It's going to be very exciting. So appreciate everyone's time here. The Cubs won in a walk-off after they raised their banner on Monday. So that was fantastic news for Cubs fans all around. But a, a good podcast o- overall. Again, you can find this podcast now on iTunes under the sports block. Otherwise, I'll keep posting it on Facebook. Follow me, Nathan Stacken. Otherwise, follow me on Twitter at ND Stacken. So great podcast. We're going to do this again next week. Plenty of NBA playoff talk, NHL playoff talk, and some more NFL draft talk as well. So get used to hearing Marcus and. Uh, and Jeff, in addition to Travis here over the next few weeks, hopefully, fingers crossed, and everyone enjoy a very happy Easter, enjoy the time off if you get it, this isn't a holiday that people normally get off, but uh, if you do, enjoy the time, it's a great, great time of the year, great weekend, so enjoy everyone, happy Easter, and we'll be back next week with another edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Nathan Sacken reminding you and thanking you for listening. I'll talk with you next week here on the Sports Block Podcast.